I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And the 2023 NRL Premiers, the Penrith Panthers, the three-peat is completed. Oh, my God. What did we watch? Yeah. It was unbelievable. As neutrals. Nothing short of unbelievable. As neutrals, you couldn't hope for a better game. Yeah, I sort of wasn't neutral. I know. Because of the fella, but... But you know what I mean. Yeah. All all I wanted was for for him to win, you know, for him to experience... A premiership win and that sort of atmosphere, but you couldn't ask for a better game. And as horrifying as it it would seem for Broncos fans, like they played their part in that as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one for Brisbane, the team, the city, the fan base to to swallow because, particularly on the back of twenty fifteen as well, like that was a horrifying loss. Oh, two but, six wins in a row in grand finals to yeah, the Golden Point moment. Two really hard ones, and then the but, biggest loss. The biggest comeback. The thing for the Broncos is that you know you, you can look forward now and go right. I like that that team and what they've got there should hold them in good stead for years to come. Mm. Whereas that the 2015 one, there are a lot of guys sort of at the end of their Back career end, as well. Top yeah, four is, prelims, they sort of limbo like South did for a while. It was a different sort of team and, mm. and different roster construction. Where you know now they they do let's they do look set up for you know a nice little period ahead. Well, your big question mark is sort of what we said leading into this. They're, they're at the Penrith stage, but the cycle starts with the loss like Penrith and can you maintain it for a few years? Yeah. And then the decisions you make on the back of that, are we producing in the right positions? Are we backfilling the right positions? Are we signing the right people to sustain success? And, you know, getting Haas, Carrigan, like Mam and Walsh are both about to come off. They're vital pieces they have to keep, but they're going to have some tough decisions to make. They will. They're going to have Kate Well. They've got does. Reynolds wanting... An extension, Herbie, Flegler already gone. Palacio was an underrated piece, like the year he's ended up having. But this cycle and how long you maintain it for, now it comes down to coaching, cap management, and decision-making about what the core makeup of that group's going to be within the salary cap era, which is why, flipping back to Penrith now, it's so amazing to go to four grand finals in a row, let alone win three of them under the salary cap era and the losses they've taken along the way. Just year on year, we've sat here and gone, all right, Mansour... Tamia, Tedavano, Catewell, Momorowski, Burton, Arpy, Staines, Kikau, Naden, Hopgood, O'Sullivan, Farah, May, like that's only just scratching the surface of what's gone out the last three years. Mm. And every year it's like, you know, not just a couple of those guys are good NRL players, some of those guys are international, some of those guys are good veterans, but they've lost quality representative level players along the way in key positions. But the core and the decisions they make when we talk about exactly that then and how you build it, the core that they've kept together, nine of them have been a part of four or four grand finals. 
And that's been Dylan, Brian, Stephen Crichton, who's now leaving, Luai, Cleary, Fish, Martin, Yo, and Laota. So they've sort of decided on their core. And out of that group now, all of them are extended to 27 or 26, except Luai, who's off this year. So a bit like a Melbourne or teams you've seen in the past do that. They've slowly evolved over the time and decided on what that is the makeup of this group. And it's, to this point, paid dividends. They've, got, they've nailed it. Absolutely. And it can't be argued with because people are bringing up the argument with Parramatta, this, that, and the other. Again, I, I, I wasn't even born back then, but it was a New South Wales-based comp. I don't know what the salary cap was like. I'm not going to speak on it because I have no idea. But to do that in a salary cap era, coming from a Melbourne fan, to think about the sustained success we had for almost 20 years now and what we've won, they've almost outdone Melbourne's 20 years in a four-year span. You take the two cheating comps away, what have we got? We've got four. I think they're five each at the moment, aren't they? Well, we won. We're going to go past them. 06 we lost, 07 and 09 are taken away. Yeah, oh, eight. Stat on that last we night. didn't win again until 12. We lost 16. Mm. We won 17. We lost 18. We won 20. Yeah. So within all that, uh, the premierships that you get, um, and what's left over, yeah, the two that were stripped, sorry, and the four that were real, They've in four years, they've cashed in three times. Yeah, Melbourne, like Mel- I'm not going to say, you know, Win rate wise, I'm not going to knock back eight or nine prelims in a row, or whatever we've had in the last decade, plus all the grand finals. Mm. That's probably the next part for Penrith. Like in terms of greatest teams of the NRL era, I think hands down to go to three out of four and four in a row. That's no argument for me. Yeah. But yeah, I guess now if they do the right things, like we said, and you've got this core group, can they turn themselves into a storm or a roosters and have a decade or two where they're just top four and a perennial contender? which is knowing what you know about Penrith. And we've sort of said this all along now, the junior pathway is back into what it is. I'm not saying you're going to produce this level of players all the time because you can't every single crop. But with the volume they've got, the quality of the system, and if it's set up right like it is now, they should be a perennial top eight, top four team. There's no excuse for Penrith not to be. Well, they are. Not, well, now they are. They weren't yeah. for a long period of time. Yeah, but we're talking about but past tense. What, what we've got right now and what they've set up and shown the last few years, this... Yeah. You, know, you can't talk about Penrith that tense anymore because it's just it's gone past that. This could be, you know, an amazing period. And best thing is you hear the confidence even in the players if you're a Penrith fan like yesterday, Nathan and that saying, Well the best thing about winning three is you've now got the chance to win four in a row. Or yeah. win more. People sound make that sound out to be arrogant, but it's not. It's not arrogant. They've won, like you said, <laughs> three in a row and four grand finals. Like that they're they're proving things right. And I think even the progression, like to have the year they did that no one expected off the back of the first year rebuild where Ivan comes in, strips out some contracts and takes a lot of heat for leaving the Tigers to the grand <clears> final <throat> loss against the Storm, which had some tough lessons behind it, to you know the year after, they had to go the long way. They had to do it the hard way. Mm. They had Toto, Edwards, Fish, like guys all busted heading into that grand final against South and it come down to a critter intercept in their defense and Nathan's kicking game to last year being almost the cherry on top, the perfect year. They got through, they cruised through Origin, they won lots of games, you know, blew both teams off the park after slow starts, and then in the grand final destroyed Parramatta. Like, to come into this one off the back of two dominant wins, slow start of the year off the back of the World Cup, two long streaks on the back end, and then a couple of guys, again, that were rested for injury reasons. Tago, Sorensen, Cleary, Martin missed nine games. Tago missed 11 games. To be down and have all the question marks that they haven't been behind. Can they play from behind? Can scoreboard pressure pay out? And then have the biggest comeback <laughs> in NRL history. This has to be the sweetest of the three. Oh, without doubt. 
Yeah, without doubt. Mm. It's certainly the yeah the one they've they've done through the most adversity. Mm. With like you said, impact from salary cap, impact from injury, impact from origin, yeah. impact from World Cup, all that, and impact from other teams getting better as well. Mm. And yeah, sustaining success is <clears throat> is not easy. No, they've done it. And Brisbane, uh, I guess the cycle of turning things from 15th and then last year 9th after the back of that fold-up to be <laughs> second this year and runners-up. It's been a, a nice evolution. Like you said, there's a good call there now. There is. Uh, they've got a lot of players off next year, so we're going to see those decisions very soon, as of November 1, of how they make it and the core they sort of build things up of. But like we said, if they get things right, this should be a team again that you'd think would be top four and competing for premierships again the next couple of seasons. You'd think so. That window is sort of open right now for the Brisbane Broncos and yeah. back where they should be after a bit of a lean run. Yeah. So you've got to give credit to uh, Kevin Walters and, and Dave Donaghy and Icon's role for the last few years. Anyone that sort of put their hands on the club and had a role in the turnaround. Yeah. I think he gave a lot of credit this year to Lee Breers who came over from the UK. I didn't know, I knew him as a player. I don't know much about him as a coach, but they've given him a lot of raps for the attack and um, Cartwright stayed around and they've made some changes in their pathway. So from head to toe, you'd have to think their sort of evolution over the last few years as well has put them in good stead moving forward. I would think so. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if they can cash in um, over the next few seasons. But what do you say before we talk a bit more about their seasons and review and move on, we chop up the game? Let's do it. Let's have a look. So 26-24 in the end, but first half, um, like I think this one's a bit easier to sum up, but obviously you can look at some key moments. But this was just Penrith to a T. This is exactly what we sort of talked about during the week, that Brisbane are one going to be Brisbane, play some risk football, move it around, and that potentially that the errors and getting bogged down could be the difference. And for the most part, this half, they made a fair few errors. There was next to no penalties. Lord Adam G did a really, really good job. But, um, you know, they were 12 of 20, pretty much camped down in their own end the whole time. Bash from pillar to post, made errors. Penrith were 19 of 20. The only error was a Kenny drop, play five inside the 20, which isn't very consequential. But for all the dropouts, all the pressure... All the field position, territory, and 57% possession, as well as almost 20-plus tackles inside 20-1 to 1 and all the inside 50s. You, you go into halftime pretty much sitting there going like, wow, they've done extremely well at 8-6 when they score at the back end of the half. They did. Like, they did. Yeah. Penrith, and Ivan said this in the press conference, like they they probably didn't go after the game. They, were, they looked happy to play field position, gas. I think <clears throat> the Broncos made... Five errors, and then the six error I'll count as the the mistake from the dropout. I know it won't go down as an error on the stat sheet, but to not have someone there to re- retrieve that ball was an error. Mitch Kenny scores. So, you know, after 16 minutes, they made six errors and were only down by six. Like, you take that every day of the week, then they make another error where they don't find touch from the um, from the dropout, and they, they go down 8 nil. But <clears throat> to go in at 8-6 and scoring right before half time. You know, that momentum certainly transferred over to the start of the second half as well. Mm. And Brisbane Brisbane would have been by far the happier team at halftime, I would think. Mm. I know Kevin Mulder said in the press conference he wasn't happy with how they played first half, but I thought, with all things being said, they played bloody tough. They defended 100%. their line really well. I didn't think Penrith's attack was excellent. Like, it was very clunky. It was hard to sort of work out what the plan was. They... They kept sort of having their half bounce back into the ruck and try to pass yeah, across the ruck. Switch and, overs and 
there was obviously something there they were trying to execute, but it it wasn't quite as fluent as what you would like it to be, or Brisbane had an answer for it. Mm. Uh, and, you know, whenever they tried to get the ball, particularly the Penrith's right-hand side, the Broncos had answers for it. And a lot of the time, they weren't really holding the defence up. So a lot of the time, those Panthers players were catching. On the and out. Brisbane were allowed to, yeah, on the out. And Brisbane were allowed to get man on pretty quickly. So all in all, I think, yeah, Brisbane probably copped, they were on the ropes for the majority of the, of the first half. And, you know, I know they, they went in with a two-point deficit, but... You know, I, I felt like they, they really held their gloves up first first half, and that is probably what put them in a position to win the game. You know, it's just their back end. Mm. I'll say this, they, like at the back end, they didn't have championship defense. No. You need championship defense. And you want to win big games with 16-point lead, you got to close big games out, and you got to do it with your defense and with your set ends. And their set ends were poor, and their, dis- uh, their, their defense on their goal line, you know, didn't hold up under no. pressure. So you can come up with as many excuses as to why that, that's the case, but in the end, Penrith had to chase, Penrith had to be gifted opportunities, and, you know, they did that through a couple of early kicks, a couple of no kicks at the back end of the game. Like, we're going to go through it, obviously. But yeah. And their defence didn't hold up. No. You've got to be able to turn teams away. You can't, you can't concede three tries in the last... 16 minutes of a grand final expect to win. No, and like you said, 16 points, the lead, the momentum streak they yeah. had when it went And back. where Penrith were. They had Yo off in the Mate, Yo, concussion. Sorensen and Lewis. They all pulled that. their half yeah. and they were missing two starting forwards. You're never going to get Penrith in a more vulnerable position. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like you said, in terms of that period in the last 20, uh, again, as a neutral, because they get people sometimes look at things, I don't. you can't find an excuse for what happened. And I think Kevy pretty much summed up what he said. We should have won that game. I think he's right. They should have won that game. Yeah, but they didn't. When, in the words of going, you know, sometimes the footy gods take it away from you. Well, there was no footy god involved in that one. That was, like you said, that last period of, of the game. Couldn't get out of their own end. Couldn't defend on their goal line. A couple of the repeat sets where you just got to hold up or come up with a moment. Yeah. They couldn't do it and they couldn't break that cycle. Um, and it almost felt like the attack went away. They had that momentum period that we will talk about where they just completely took control but it seemed like some of the attack and spark where that was all sticking sort of disappeared and they were just camping trying to get out of there and end up hold on for dear life when Penrith started to get back on top and start to win that field position and territory again and things really opened up with Cogger um, but yeah if we break through things a little bit more I think the first half there's not as many key moments because for the most part it felt like Penrith sort of got on top but from the start pretty much what we expected I guess they they did choke up with their defense. They were really active from Marco, really good on their line speed, really good play one-two. And it was, you know, first two sets, they already looked like they were sort of getting themselves back on top. Um, big moment early, Stags escaping the end goal. Like, that was one of the better kicks that Penrith did have. We spoke about kicking game live. That was pretty ordinary, especially the first half. But when he got out there, Walters is 40-20 in the first four sets. It was an absolute pearler. Yeah, it was. That, yeah. that you couldn't hit that any better. Like two-step to the right, right foot, right side into touch. And that's basically one of the only two opportunities Brisbane got. They got that one with a 40-20 and they got the opportunity at the back end of the half where they catched in. But um, off that, you know, they shifted as you expect. And we talked about this all week that Penrith are really, really disciplined with their edges. And we saw that because they stripped them of numbers. The hands for Ezra... And Walsh got them a number, but the decision-making from Penrith, Tago goes to the lead, holds up, checks out, 
Toto has a two two on one situation. James Herbie, and when we like you've always said in that situation, you've got to force that person to execute. And Herbie was good enough to get the pass away, but it wasn't a great pass. Otherwise we potentially see a foot race or a one on one between Tago and Arthur's for the corner. Yeah. But first test there for Penrith, they pass for flying colours. Well, it was it's also like you come up with the forty twenty. Mm. It's the first time you've got an opportunity inside Penrith's twenty meter zone and you throw the ball over the side on and play two. Mm. You know, I I know that if you execute and they score, you're going, Oh, happy days, you yeah. know how easy was that? But yeah, I I would have liked to see them be more patient in that situation and try and build their game and build some confidence and build some pressure and get a few repeat sets or but <clears throat> yeah, it seemed a little bit frantic that initial initial stage. It looked like Arthur's was trying to get his feet but because the pass was a bit wayward and he got to it, he ends up on the sideline and slips over. Otherwise I think maybe he comes back in, but um again when I don't think he scores irrespective. No, I think Tago Tim and Tago would have been a good contest, but we spoke about that when we looked at it before. Their edges and the way they communicate and their decision-making is fantastic. Yeah. Because multiple times they create numbers, but they back themselves to stay connected, make a joint decision, and trust that their insides are going to come and help. It doesn't always land with a beautiful tackle or an execution, but they get a body. If they've got grass behind them, they'll make a decision, and then they trust their insides are going to come help them clean up. And then on the goal line, like in this situation, when we talk about it all the time, you can't leave anything there or you can't hold. Like when there's no grass behind you, you've got to make a decision. In this situation, they force Brisbane's hand. You got to beat us on the outside, and when they had it, Tyo makes the right decision. Tago checks off beautiful on the lead, and if he Herbie does execute that pass from the pressure there, we see a great one-on-one contest for the corner. They were going to make him earn getting to the corner post. Yeah, um, and what wouldn't be the only time we talk about that, but early shot fired off the back of that, and um, big raps on both sides for that. Walters in particular, like, I'll give him a huge rap for the growth he's had this year. He's been between. Hooker and half at Melbourne, I always really liked him as a hooker watching him in cut. But again, they had Harry, Brand, and Cameron Smith at that time. He was never going to play there. Yeah. But between the Tigers' journey and the few spots he's gone to, to land here, and it's a tough situation with your dad. I think he's well and truly proved this year he's a more than capable start nine in the NRL. Yeah. Um, he had a really good game. But yeah, from that opportunity, Penrith, no surprise. Um, start to work their way back upfield and just get straight back into that cycle. From that missed opportunity, um, you know, a few times in that cycle again, Brisbane had a couple of those shift plays, but similar deal. Just execute and stick together. Crichton and Luai sort of check out. Sunia got caught two on one once, cut stags at the legs. Um, and then the inside cover comes. Sorensen, Luai, wayward pass goes out the back. Reynolds makes an error. It uh, just sort of felt like that early on with a couple of those shots. But as those errors continued to creep in, things just got a bit harder and harder. Other thing also with those errors early on, they were all sort of, you know, close to halfway, crossing halfway, or in there and end. So we always said that first one from the 40-20, but the majority of the other ones were in there and half. Just giving Penrith those opportunities. But, you know, from this one here, that pressure just continued. The back five or back three in particular, I don't think we're surprised, but Edwards constantly front foot onto the ball. Massive first half. Uh, you know, Toto, Sunia. Both had very, very good games. The start of their props as well. Their first stints, their second stints were both huge. But yeah. they laid more than enough of a platform. But yeah, the fifth play options continue to be poor. I really got to wrap Brisbane. I thought some of the kick cleanup was really good. Yeah, like Rick, Ricky come up with two yeah. perlers and Ezra Mam had to go back for one. Like it was a real collective sort of effort. There was some 
like why there was poor kicks, like there was more than one person doing a job. Like Walsh, um, you know, it wasn't all on him, it wasn't all on the wingers, but there was a lot of guys there that had some dangerous kicks midfield or play five shifts that did a job and really nullified things. But um, yeah, that, that was the real letdown. Like you said, I guess going through that, Cobo then makes an error, play three in their own half. You're sitting there going with all this ball, all this territory, all this possession. You've got to come up with something. And they really focused heavy on that right-hand side. And then there's lots of switches and drops. And like you were saying, every time they sort of did that switch play at the ruck, it felt they were one pass off. Yeah. They'd come back and someone would sort of punch in or poke their nose through, but it felt like they needed one more pass on the end of it. Um, and all those right-side shifts were pretty, you know, like you said, not not in the line, not led, not dug in. It was just sort of sideways, pass, 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 and either try and get the round or get the outside or break down. But Herbie Farmworth, like, they gave him a real good examination early, tried to get over to that side of field to get at that space we were talking about with Kate, Will, and Mam. Mm. Um, he probably come up with three or four tries, saves Herbie. He, he, did. he did a really, really good job uh, defensive. And then on the back of that, I think a lot of credit has to go to those two. They went after Arthur's. He had a fantastic start. And a fantastic game in general. Yeah, a great game. Um, yeah. Similar deal again. That those two thorough examination defensively and come up with some really big plays. But yeah, on top of those saves and that early work and the pressure they were getting from the kick chase, Liam Martin was relentless at marker and some of the line speed and kick stuff there. But no points. So I guess the one plus like we talk about with Penrithal and this panned out to be the case is they don't go away and they just take gas out of you. So as disappointing as it was at the time, um, it was all just banking for later and so many times it looked like that and cooked and it just turns into, you know, it was a carry from Haas who I thought was marvellous in terms of some of the set saves he come up with. Penrith would win, like play one, two, three and then next minute you've got him off the back fence, three or four on him skittled and then Pat would get off the back of him. Those two sort of in tandem, but particular, yeah, there was there was multiple times his, his work in terms of numbers, like I don't think he tried to carry the house down like he usually does, but the quality of the carries from Haas during that tough period for Brisbane on the back foot, he was immense. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, you know, it just kept happening. And then off the back of one of those set saves, Walsh, 70-metre boot, like really good boot, but seven tackle set. <laughs> and any time it felt like they were sort of getting back into the cycle or had a positive set off the back of errors at one stage, I think they were four from 10. That sort of moment again, the extra tackle for Penrith turns into a 70-metre set. Poor kick again from Nathan, and Luai gets a second kick, and Riki's there to clean it up again. But it's that same situation, just gassing the team, put them in their own half, ramping up, and with all that territory, we looked at them, there was hands on knees, like Flegler, Walters, those few middles that we looked at, they were absolutely cooked. They were, yeah. Um, and you were just waiting for something to bank, and no surprise in that particular set on the back of that again. Haas come up with another 15-plus metre set save, and quick play the ball, and just... Time and time again, holding, holding, holding. Their outside backs at Penrith and top, and also Fish felt like they made a real concerted effort to get at Reynolds, which is no surprise. Yeah, when they were coming out of yardage and and lining up on him, and then they uh, had another sort of opportunity inside Penrith with a kick, and Nathan drops at five metres short. But again, another error. And I think it was the fifth of the game to Stags. So all those errors just compounded and compounded and compounded. And Herbie come up with another try saver, one on one on Tago. The defense just kept on holding. Tago rolls into the corner and it you know, the kick from him and Toto comes up with a dropout in a situation where they probably didn't deserve one. Yeah. But multiple times on the night with the bad kicking game between Tago there and Crichton in the second half, the quality of Penrith just kept applying pressure. 
But that moment there is the first telling moment of the game off the back of all that possession, all that territory. They're back three and the two props and Fish and Lauda just laying that despite the poor kicks. Uh, they finally, finally get some love off the dropout, which you could probably explain better than me, but the setup for a short dropout. Like you've obviously got to have a plan. So could you explain a little bit probably to everybody what, what you're looking for there in a short dropout situation? Yeah, <clears throat> well, you want to designate a catcher or play to bat back, which they had. Yep. And then ideally, <clears throat> when you're going to kick to a contest like that, if Penrith were to win that and bat it back, mm. you'd want two of your players, so two Brisbane players, to trail ahead to essentially catch the bat back from Penrith. Then on the other side, you want players to catch the bat back if you're in a position to bat it back, which is exactly what happened. But there was no Brisbane player in position to retrieve the ball. So, yeah, I'm not sure whether it was just they had practiced it and they have a plan around it and they didn't execute it or they, you know, didn't set it up and and apply what the coaching staff had asked or whether it's just something that, you know, they don't do very often and they don't really have that plan around it, but... You know, for me, for many, uh, for me in those situations, I always want, you know, at least one player, hopefully two, ahead of the ball to retrieve the opposition bat back, and at least two of your own trailing behind in case that happens. And look, that try we had one of those scored against us in New South Wales Cup this year against Penrith, funnily enough. And you know, we practiced it and we have a plan for it, uh, and we still got it wrong. So yeah, it was a, an error from Brisbane and one which cost them dearly. Yeah, and what we said, that tap back, I also said to you, like, I know Walsh's job is the fullbacks to trail there, but he was with the trainer, he was 15 metres away. Thought maybe they could it's have... It's not Walsh's been, job. I'm not saying it's his job, but he it's probably should job. have been standing 15 metres away on a dropout. But Catewell probably is the one that looked like, that's who he looked like he was hitting it too sideways. The bounce there, the credit you have to give to Mitch Kenny to be Johnny on the spot. Loose ball. Yeah, well, he was trailing through looking for that. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what he got. So, of all people, and we said this to you at the ground, I don't know who would have backed him for first try score, but if you did, good on you. Yeah. Because that would have paid a hefty price. But after all that opportunity, that's not the way you thought Penrith would have got it, but that's what that that pressure does. Sometimes you get awarded those opportunities because of what you put in the bank. And at that point in time, zero errors, all that pressure, all that field position, all that territory, Brisbane, their own worst enemy, particularly their outside backs, like Cobo, Staggs, Reynolds' one wasn't, you know, that big a deal. It was sort of a loose ball, but their outside back certainly didn't help. No. Arthurs and Herbie were safe early, but uh, the other couple come up with some pretty poor errors. So yeah. that put him in that situation. And uh, big moment there, we saw Crichton grab the kick and turn and thought, what's going on? Clear he's down getting his knee tested. Mm. That was a worrying moment if you're a Penrith fan at the ground. But uh, he looked hampered probably for the rest of that half a little bit, but come out pretty good in the second half. Didn't see any strapping either. Yeah. So whatever it was, obviously turned out to be... <clears throat> not a huge issue but yeah at that stage uh, like I said that had 18 or 19 tackles inside 20 to Brisbane's one which is that one play we talked about where they made the error off the 40-20 so to only be down 6-0 was huge for them absolutely huge and set after points no surprise they were great Brisbane only 4 from 10 Taruva nearly goes out like it was a 40-20 kick from Walters again which was another really good kick but off the back bounce I thought Taruva panicked a little bit there but luckily for him, uh, the touching didn't result in him being out. They cleaned that up, and uh, that, that was fairly scary a moment. And then this is their first and only error of, off the game of that, which was the Kenny one I'm talking about, where he got inside 20 and dropped the ball and play five. So they didn't get to put a kick in, but that is literally the only error Penrith made on the night. Yeah, it was. Um, Spot on. So inconsequential, really. 
if you hand it over in the 20, you can be pretty happy with that. Yeah. Given the context of the yeah. game. But obviously, they would have rather get to their kick, but to think now in the game, that is the only error they had, is absolute insanity. It's incredible. Um, mm. Yeah. And from that, Brisbane, the flag with HIA, I couldn't see it. I saw a replay today. They didn't show it happened, so I don't know. Yeah. If he caught one, but at the time it seemed like they were desperate for a breather, and they obviously got it with that sort of time. I'm not calling that it was that without being able to see, but in that moment, whether it was convenient or not, it was smart because they certainly needed to have a breath. Yeah, they did. Um, he'd had a really <clears> great <throat> first in as well. Uh, they they swapped their centers at one point too. When I rewatched the game live, I didn't really realize that, but I thought that was a bit odd. Herbie <laughs> and Stags swapped for a little bit. Yeah. Sure. Um, I don't know if it was Stags. I was trying to get at Tago, who looked a bit gassed or a bit busted. He had a couple of good carry stags after that. He got over the top of the eighth once. Um, Arthur's hopped on the back of it, but I think Herbie's just as damaging with the ball. Yeah, I is. don't really see the need for the swap there, but they tried something. Um, whether there was a, a strategy behind it or just something quick to try and throw a Penrith off, I, I don't think it really achieved much of what they were looking for, but they gave it a crack. Palacia was the one who came on for Flegler. He, he had a pretty good game, and him, Haas, Pat Carrigan sort of dragging them back into things. They had a near, near call when they had a good set there off the back of those three guys. Cobo Taruba, that kick contest. A lot of people called penalty, but I think this speaks to, again, the standard of how the game was ref compared to the year. Which, at the same time, gives me the shits because I don't like the fact there's basically two sets of rules, but I thought Adam G did perfectly. Mm. It was a, a bit of a bounce. Mm. Yeah, he gave him a bit of a push afterwards. I don't think Cobo's going to get it. He didn't get on the full. I didn't think he was going to score. So at the time here, and that's a penalty. Watching it again today, I was sort of like, eh, again, it's inconsequential in my eyes. It didn't really seem like a big moment. No, it didn't. But I agree. one of the only sort of attacking kicks they got in that situation. Um, Arthur's kick return after that, he leaves two down. He really, really was just ripping it back. Stag's next play gets straight back over the top of Nathan, and then Arthur's off the back of that. Gets Fisher-Harris on the slip. They slowly felt like they were coming over the top, and then Walsh comes up with that juggle error on the edge there, which eventually gets called a knock-on, which is their seventh error. Hmm. So again, any time it felt like they were getting something. Reynolds at that point, that's all the shit fight starts where they're alleging that something went wrong. You look at that tackle again, that was clean. There's no hip drop, there's nothing wrong. Sorensen wasn't late, he just swings, and his legs got a little bit caught under him. I don't know if he thought he could get a result out of it or not, but... Um, Considering the hoo-ha that was made out of by the players, then watching the replay. There's nothing in it. There was absolutely nothing in it. Yeah. Lindsay Smith was the first roll-in for Moses, who had a ripper first stint. Um, and then you talk about like penalties. Two seconds later, Staggs off the ball. Hit Sorensen, not only late, but off the ball. So that really set the standard there. I was like, okay, as long as Adam G's going to stick to this. nothing in it. Which he did. Um, you know, Got nothing wrong with it. But compared to the other hit, I thought, well, if you're going to inspect the other one and stop the game... Surprised the bunker didn't intervene in that one. Yeah. But again, you want to have two sets of rules, that's fine as long as it stayed consistent, but it, it did for the grand final, so I'll give them that. Mm. There was the Liam Martin hitting the head late. There was a crusher on Stags. There was a few 50-50s that they just stayed clear out of the way of, which I'm all good with as long as it stayed that way. But um, yeah, that one there, I was just a little bit like, okay, that's fairly odd. But another play five that was poor. Luai gets held inside the five, but they just tightened up, keep going at him. Um, Another offload, Kenny Premier League's one forward. And again, the defense and the pressure of Penrith saved the bad kick. That's when Martin, Toto, and that dragged Walsh back in. They get another dropout. Ricky's protection at this point, uh, watching things, I thought he did a really good job when we talked about them getting at Reynolds. 
and that concerted effort. He had to do a lot of defence, had to make a lot of decisions, but that second dropout again after the poor kick leads to the two points that we spoke about at the time. And that's at about the 28th minute mark where they've just been juicing them the whole time. Mm-hmm. So 8-0, absolute gift. Uh, you don't see Reynolds do, hit those very often wrong. Uh, and probably the other thing that took away from that after the fact they finally had their couple of kickoffs, Reynolds' kickoffs were awesome. Yeah. He really brought out the kit. We were talking about how Felt in the past had the high one and the wobbling one, and sometimes he'd put it deep or low and have the spin. Reynolds had a, a real kit bag last night of, of kickoffs. Big time. Yeah. He made a couple of them look real dicey. <clears throat> one bounced as well, but yeah, man, he uh, he certainly certainly brought some specials there. But Penrith edges were tested a few times again there with Bresman. Get back in, but same deal again. Just all night, they stayed connected for the most part in that first stint. Shut down, inside pressure comes across, and um, Cleary came up after a 65-meter set, and another one of those kicks is that flat punch kick that Ezra cleaned up. That was another one where you just really couldn't figure out what they were trying to get at. I thought they'd just be dropping on their centers all night, which is sort of in the way they've played most of the year because they don't have tall wingers. That center-back roll spot. Make a bit of a contest, but yeah, um, considering all that, that was the one disappointing part for all the pressure, I guess, in the first half is the kicking game. Yeah, it wasn't great. They probably could have had more opportunity, more repeats, or even more pressure if that could have been uh, a bit more, I guess, tidy. But yeah, Mam has a tip on there as well. Not long after that, where they try to raid his short side. Tyo has a two on one situation. That was where you were saying they should have played short, land straight on Arthur's. Coming yeah, out they had a 3v2, yeah. Mm. And they went the cutout, which allowed sort of Toto to check off and solve it. Mm. That pressure from Martin keeps coming. Walsh got stuck on a short side, you know, puts that bomb up, which ended up being not a bad kick. Um, Dylan, again, as he did all night, just kept getting 15, 20 metres before contact. Those switches just kept breaking down. They consistently kept switching the ruck, coming back to the right, just one more pass a few times, and, and yeah, who knows, but... Play five, that sort of set. They found themselves with a three-on-three on on a loaded short side. Don't know quite what they were doing, but it pretty much summed up their attack and what we thought the first half. They got jammed. Dylan throws one to Toto, ended up going 15 metres backwards, and really they would have been better off just dying there inside the five. But they ended up back on the 25, and that from there was sort of a swing moment. Herbie goes straight away with a quick play of the ball. When the ref said it was set, Arthur ducks out. You had Tago and Martin sitting on the short side. Gets 20 metres. Herbie then doubles up with his efforts, tips onto Ricky, and he almost goes. Luai had to make a critical tackle there. Um, and this is where the back end of the half picked up for for them. It was a 70-metre set. It's one of the first times that I think they got Penrith inside the 20, let alone landed on a kick. They got Dylan Edwards in a corner, five metres out, and then the little door just opened up there. They finally trapped him for a decent set. They didn't get many metres. Tago on the return gets run over by Arthurs again. Herbie, short side, gets over him and Lenu, and they get their first penalty of the game. So it took all this time for them to sort of win, not make an error in yardage or get out. And that Lenu moment obviously proved real costly because they get a start for the first time inside good ball for a complete set since that early moment with a 40-20. Reynolds has a nice double pump to Riki, which Luai again has to come up with a ripper. Broncos right to left. Reynolds drops. Cleary, who went very, very hard and probably a little bit too hard, pulled that hole open and Herbie 
went very, very close, like Beach 3. But again, that quick play of the ball there, Smoothie's impact on the game's instant. Lindsay Smith, who didn't have the greatest of stints, sitting there on the goal line, uh, no grass behind him. And Flegler gets at him. Yeah, I, I just felt like in this period, Penrith looked gassed. Like, mm. And Ivan said that in the press conference. It's the most tired they've looked yeah. all year. <clears throat> and Which was strange because it felt like Penrith probably dominated up until that point. Mm. There's sort of like a five-minute yeah. period and that was about it. Yeah, it just it got a little bit fast. Like Brisbane started to go forward a little bit. Mm. And the play, play the ball before that try, the flagler try, yeah, it's too quick, and then yeah, Smoothie jumps out, but Smith and Yo sort of just sit on their try line there. You got to go. It's going to make it really difficult to get under Flegler and, and stop him. So yeah, a crash over try at that point in the game, probably the last set they had to defend prior to the prior to the break. It was a huge momentum shift in the game and a big play for Brisbane. Mm. And again, live we couldn't really see a good angle. Uh, looked like it was... Yeah, like, live, I was like, geez, that looks like it's no yeah, try. they confirmed but, it quick. And then today... Meant, yeah, people at home probably going, yeah, it's a try. Yeah, so. and we know what we've said before when people get angry. The bunker's got more camera angles than anybody. You don't get to see all of them. But yeah. I saw one on the replay package today that was like side onto the post and it got to the line. Yeah. So in saying that, I was like, well, that's good. Because yeah. live, when something's confirmed that quickly, I'm like, well, it must be. Adam G's face was also right there, but... To conclude your half there, you're sort of sitting there going for all the territory, all the possession, basically camped inside the 50, inside the 20. Broncos' one and only tackle was from the 40-20, bar that second last play the ball. Seven yeah. errors, extremely well to only be 8-0, and then late, the amount of set save carries from Haas, Ricky D decisions and two kick cleanups, Herbie's try saves and late scoots, and then Smoothie and Palacio obviously make an impact in the game. Um, you know, it's sort of all those little positives for all the effort and pressure on their goal line cleaned up. Walsh's errors and the outside back errors from Stags, Cobbo on the seven tackle sets. Yeah. Um, to think going in like if you're Penrith, oh, I said the set starts from Edwards, Taruva, Fish, Moses's first stints, bashing Reynolds, constant opportunities, repeat sets they probably didn't deserve, and all that dominance that your only points come off a tap back and a penalty. 19 from 20 and 57% possession with one error compared to 12 from 20. Like, if, you, if you're Brisbane, you're probably not feeling that bad. No, I would have been happy at halftime. So, I, I honestly was a little bit worried because when we sort of saw that struggle coming early and that strangle, I just thought, here we go. They're going to pull a couple out of them late, but full credit to Brisbane. Yeah. Um, and at that point, probably the biggest thing second half was thinking, surely they can't kick any worse than that. <laughs> but, unfortunately... Yeah. It did continue. Yeah. It really did continue. And, um, you know, for the most part, they kept their spine players out of the game. Walsh, Reynolds, Mam, etc. weren't able to inject themselves because they couldn't get out of their own half. Yeah. Like we said, Flagler, Haas, and, and Carrigan, and Herbie, a few of those guys were pretty much the difference between them getting out. Jesse Arthur's, again, on reflection and rewatching the game, his first half, but his game in general was, was absolutely mint. Mm. But second half, the Broncos carried that momentum like you talked about. That last five minutes, they sort of brought in. First set, exactly what we would have expected. Flegler, Riki, Pat, Palo, they go 50. Walsh, unfortunately, undoes all that. It was his second seven-tackle kick. <clears throat> Penrith roll off that. Cleary drops one. Five metres short again. It was contested, at least, uh, bringing Walsh onto the football with Tago. He ends up on the ground, but again, nothing in it. Another handbags at 10 paces. 
which happened a few times on the night. Pretty much. Um, but, yeah, Reynolds, at that point, second kick wasn't great. Thought, here we go again. They're handing it over. He kicks straight down Dylan Edwards' throat. He gets 15 again before he's even contacted, and that territory battle looked like it was just going to start being chewed up again. But the big swing moment then comes with Cleary. Play four and good ball. He kicks early. He thought he had Welsh out of position, but he just overcooked it. Yeah, he did. And that's the first sort of moment there where the ones you're dropping short are one thing, but seven tackle sets are massive, especially in a game of this pace. And from that seven tackle set, this started the period of dominance for the Broncos. Smoothie after that, really underrated play, but if you go back and watch it, looks off open, jumps back short. It's enough to get Nathan to sort of hold and follow him. And then he just hits Mam, and Mam's eyes go up. Lindsay Smith, I don't know how he ended up there, but he ends up on a short side. So he's standing at a three-man, and Ezra Mam from there just absolutely cuts him to pieces. He does. Yeah. He will look like he was going to dive inside, gets the outside. Tago's effort wasn't great, but like he looked injured all night. I'm not making excuses for him, but he did not look good. Between his leg, his peck, and his gas from the lack of games. He just looked gassed. He, just, he was hurting, and he come in on his inside. Mam, my God, he's a player. He just exploded in this period. But that moment there when he saw Lindsay Smith, he just put both on show, burned Dylan Edwards. And at that moment, you just saw, bloody hell, like, for all the possession, time and control, they've got one on half from a crash over and then Mams just absolutely diced them. Yeah. Reynolds kicks the goal at 12-8. Lindsay Smith, you sort of sit there going, Man, it's not great night for you so far. Like You've come on, been involved like in a penalty. Now you've been caught outside at three men. Um, and, and from there, they sort of just started to burn and have a bit of a period of dominance there. Um, kicked the goal, like we said, pretty easily. Set after, 50 metres, shift play. Dill and the Panthers sort of respond with a good set afterwards, but then a penalty, it's Lindsay Smith. He's the only player offside. Yeah. So after they instantly got back in the cycle, they invite Brisbane almost back into good ball instantly. Stags just jam somebody. They solve it. But quick play the ball, offloads start to happen. Flegler gets a second offload. Things get a bit loose. And then play five, uh, they have an opportunity and Critter shuts it down and they turn it over about five out. So slowly but surely they're getting on top. You could sort of feel like we were talking about the middles. He ran his middles long and they did a really good job. But early, he sort of had to hold his nerve, Ivan, and not put them on. He sort of had to see through to be able to give them. That run, or we sort of talked about if he used Cogger or not use Cogger, the extra changes, which obviously we're going to get to. But um, yeah, I think there was a 30 meter kick early there where they went for a 40 20 and didn't end up paying off. And Laota come back onto the action at that point to try and swing the momentum. Dill, for only the second time that I could remember, got trapped inside five, and it was only the second time they landed on a kick. So at that point, that's when you really think, okay, they're really starting to take advantage or get on top and win. That possession for the first time. And then the biggest probably decision of the game, or one of the bigger decisions, Luai comes off next minute. We obviously said afterwards that he knew it was bad at halftime. They needled him, but still ballsy from Ivan to make that call. Because he could have left him. And I don't think he told them he needed to come off. He told them he was good to go. But they go with Cogger. Um, and I think from here, this was huge for Penner from their attack. He had some really good moments, but... Yeah, from that again, Arthur's another great set start moment. Herbie, who was great again, bar a couple of you know errors I know he did make, but defensively, splits Tago, splits Martin, uh, hit a short side to Catewell where Mam ducks open, goes down there again, and that roll sort of started. Haas stands another tackle, 
offloads and then they jump back left. Palacia, smart, just gives early ball and Yo had his hips turned out. Man, again, catches another middle on the edge. It's just became, like, after that Nathan Cleary seven-tackle set, all the momentum just shifted. Mm. Fatigue kicked in. And like you said, they catch Smith down on a short side with Tago and then it's almost like it's the next set. They kick off and it's the next set. It starts again. And you just start to feel like Penrith, the field's tilted for Brisbane. They're running downhill. Mm. The rucks are getting quick. Momentum's quick. They're, the having to make defensive, they're having to make defensive decisions on the back foot. Mm. They're not making decisions together. They, you know, they're giving up inside shoulders. They're not connected. Lots of one-on-one misses mm. again that like we talked yeah. about last week, which is uncharacteristic. So, but <clears throat> but we, like Mam sort of created. He had a good run from dummy half. Yeah. Then they go down the short side. The ball comes back to Haas. He gets an offload and then they... Yeah, split them, like you said. Yeah, well, like you said, when you disconnect a team or you start to roll, your line obviously gets disorganized also. That's why Lindsay ends up on a short or... Yo, who, he's not that not, he's not mobile enough, but you don't want him standing out there, ideally. What did that... That kicked it to 18-8, mm. I think it was. So that was 44th minute was the first one, and then the second one come almost after 10 minutes of control. Yeah, sorry, and then they went back-to-back, didn't they? Mm. So then it was 54th minute, man, splits Yo. Yeah. Runs well, split, it again. It's clear. It's clear. Yeah, he gets his inside, shoulder. but he had yeah. yell on the out, which is why he jumped back yeah. in again. But it was, regardless, it was awesome by him. He he just really took advantage. Haas was showing his dominance and the quality, like we said, of his touches. And again, credit to Palacio. As soon as he handled that ball, he just looked up and went, bang, there's space out there. Yeah. Give it to a guy who's obviously very dangerous on the run. And Mam's eyes twice. The quick, the decision-making from him and the vision, how quick he is. Like, yeah. Man, he's going to be big. And you know, like when this ball gets kicked off post the man try, there's 23 minutes to go, 16 point lead. Mm. A, a championship defense doesn't get beat from there. No. But two in a row there. They're moving the point of attack. They're winning the territories. That period there of no errors, they had nine of 12 sets. And that shows you, like Penrith, with the penalties, the control, the tries, and everything they had, they turned it on their head and did basically what Penrith do. Yeah. Well, then they had, off the kickoff, you had the Yo concussion. And that was the next point I had. So after yeah. that, <clears throat> Yo cops the knock, uh, which is obviously... Then they get a penalty, I think. A huge play there um, in, in terms of where things go for them. and Yeah, that's yeah. when they get the penalty. They lose their... Penrith lose their challenge because Cogger strips the ball out. And I think this is where the momentum swung back to Penrith. The Broncos go down again into good ball. And they show another lack of patience, similar to the, you know, what they did in the first half. They're throwing the ball over the sideline on play two. I think on play three, they play a bit of ad-lib footy. Ball goes on the ground. Crichton picks it up, offloads it to Leota. Penrith get on the front foot. Mm. And on the back of that, it gets into a probably a two or three minute period of grind. But on the end of that set, Penrith land on the kick. They pin the Broncos inside their own 30. And for whatever reason, Reynolds kicks it... Um, not sure it was this set or another set. No, it might not, might not have been this set, but pin them down their own end. They kick from their 30, but there were some strange... Like There was a few times there where in the second half on two occasions where Reynolds kicked it on play four. Mm. And I sort of thought, like, that's an it's an interesting tactic, but... And both times he found the winger on the full and Penrith ripped it upfield. I, I just felt like the fatigue in Brisbane, you know... They should have taken the extra tackle, the extra territory, and tried to win the field position better yeah, that and, way. And land on a kick rather than kick for territory. Yeah. But, yeah, that, like you said... So I think the... it was like a four or five minute period, and then 
Penrith get on top and Mam just gives up an inside shoulder on Cleary. Mm. Well, it come after a few sets, but yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's what I'm saying. It was like a set-for-set set period for That four swing moment minutes. that you talked about, no different to as big as the other one, was 9 out of 12, <coughs> all those tries, all the offloads and the way things were going. They have a, they used Penrith's almost switch play against them. Walsh diced through, threw one out the back, and Herbie, who'd had a good game up to that point, if he hits Palacia, it's a good one-on-one contest with Cogger. Yeah. If not, they're probably playing the ball to go for another try. But what happens out of that? Ricky, Reynolds, there's three or four Broncos there. Crichton's the man who dives on it. And the offload to Moses, like Moses' involvement in this game again, his two grand finals, he almost rolls up to the 40. Garner comes on, um, you know, gets a run. They've got Yo off. You've got Sorensen off. It's just everything there that you're sitting at thinking, I don't know. But from that moment, it does turn around. Broncos only have that one error and that whole streak. Pat has another set save and Penrith are trying to turn the screws a little bit. Um, Cogger starts to really open up the attack. Felt that like we said they were playing two sideways and pretty much it was all Yo or Nathan. Very heavy, very right side. Yeah. Once Cogger got come on, like he was just asking questions. He was either directly into the line or he was digging in from the middle of the field trying to condense and hold things up and actually stripping them of numbers and giving Penrith an opportunity to start playing to the edges. And from that, Nathan just freed up and started running like he did the weeks prior. Yeah. And his running game from there on in, you know, they, they really, really started to get back on top. And um, from the back of that, really, really solid. Moses, nice lead again with that link up between those two and Cogger. Cogger digs in again, holds up Catewell um, with that Moses lead. Cleary basically gets a five on three, the way he gets on the outside there. Mam, like you said, has to look out, sort of holds, and Catewell can't cover the ground. And full credit to Moses again for a prop. Most people run their line, they stop. He keeps running through on his line, which is why he gets that try. Exactly. If he's not there, yeah. that try doesn't happen. So you want to talk about moments again if you really want to assess a Clive Churchill. I know Nathan scored, but you want to talk at the overall body of work. I think in both <clears> grand finals, he's close to top three, if not top two. Yeah, he's um, He was huge again, but that was the first sort of punch. And I think you could see from there how serious they were. They usually celebrate. There was no celebrations. No. They high-fived, and it was like, <laughs> it's go time. Yeah. We're on here. Um, so, yeah, we saw a complete change in attitude and a swing in momentum and a bit of a change up in the attack with Cogger come in and sort of playing from the middle and open things up for Nathan. But they take a swing there. They get the try, bring themselves back at 24-14. Uh, that Catewell Mam space where we sort of thought they'd have some success, they couldn't get it in the first half, but they got it there. Moses and Fish from there, they're back on. Set later, Nathan basically pushes all in. It's three plays. He kicks on the 35 and gets that 40-20. Yeah. And that's when it really started to pile on. Um, they unfortunately have a poor set, which is probably the last poor set they have of the game off the back of that. They end up going backwards off an offload with pressure. And then Kobe Hetherington, that try saver on play five on Moses was epic. He put his face where no one would want to put their hands. Yeah, it's true. There was only one way he was stopping him, and it's how he did. It wasn't just a shoulder. He put his head and his body in front to basically it take... Ta- it was a tackle like, of the grand final. It was huge. Like yeah. Again, you want to talk about moments. That's the 65th minute. If he gets one there, they might barrel over the top even harder than what they did. Mm. But there's a few of those in this run-in. But to Penrith's credit, like we said, they, they just don't go away. Yeah, Arthur's, that was on the back of the 40-20, wasn't it? Yeah, so Arthur's and Haas, another set save. Then Pat has that play five error, which, again, we talk about consistency through the year. There was probably three or four HIAs that didn't happen. Yeah, he copped a clean he copped knee, a leg. he had a cut, he was wobbly. Mm. No HIA. And that's another big one. That's play five, none of his fault. 
mm. when you cop ones like that. They're accidents, but that's a turnover where they would have been kicking from halfway. So Penrith, yeah. again, <clears throat> just camp there for inside 50. Moses, another lead, punches in a nice hole when he gets turned under by Nath. Cogger, again, nice and deep, squares up, digs in the line. Reynolds rushes in, um, you know, and then Critter on the outside. It's a three-on-three. Three. They've got grass behind them. You're like, we watched it before. you got to go get. And they don't solve. Oh, I thought it was 2-2. Two, two. It was two-on-two. Two. For whatever reason, Staggs was just really passive. And, and he held off, and he ends up pushing him off and dragging him in with him. Needed to just go and get his inside hip and make the tackle. Cobo sort of pedaled with him, and his <laughs> hips are turned out, so he can't square up to help. Um, and Walsh comes flying Yeah, like Cobo, Cobo's just trusting his inside man. I yeah. guess there's a point there where he probably could have, should have come in, but he turned out, so he couldn't really square himself up and get involved in that tackle. And to be fair, as soon as he squares himself up there and leans in, the pass is going to go to the outside and they're going to strip him and score on the outside. So, yeah, it's just really passive defense in a, in a position on the field where you just can't be passive. Mm. <clears throat> but, yeah, at that point again, you're back at... <clears throat> 2024. Yeah, and then mm. Brisbane really got nervous. Yeah, then things started to really happen. Um, off the back of that run at 2024, there's 11 minutes left after the kick. Catewell um, gets that shot on Liam Martin where everything stops. And again, penalty all year, but full credit to Jay. He didn't involve himself in that. Yeah, he let it go. Let the players um, decide. Let the players decide the game. Cleary come up with another per- one of his wobblers for the first time that night. He had a poor night with a boot, but Jesse Arthur's again come up trumps. I thought yeah. for all money that was going down. That was a perler. And the wind kicked up too at the last 15 when we were there as well. Yeah. So that was even more of a dangerous situation for Arthur's. Yeah, but again, his game was just flawless. Walsh, probably one of his only real good moments of the game. He had some electric touches, but they generally resulted in negative play. But Ducks a short side, cuts back in, beats three. Gets around Cogger and he was very nearly off that 40-meter run able to link up with Mam. But Penrith scramble was enough to stop him from passing inside. Yeah. Otherwise, Mam's heading under the sticks and that's probably game. Mm-hmm. But that was one of his real big moments. Um, bar when he obviously torched Cleary to set up Mam for his third. Yeah. Which I missed in all my chicken scratch here. But that was obviously a really good play. Where Cleary jammed him and they were man on man. But the miss there and bounce off Martin, get there. Um, they're probably his two highlights of the game. But unfortunately for him, it was more an error night. Um, bar the electricity or a lot of the moments that started positive ended with a negative which like we said they had to be themselves but it wasn't exactly the greatest night for him yeah. um, but that moment really really good scramble that's probably their biggest chance and this is where Reynolds needs to come in to this point in the game <clears throat> besides the goal kick and he hasn't played a huge hand in most things it's a clear call for play five he just runs a back row into the line they hand the ball over that was an opportunity there where they should have got a bomb got a contest or a repeat set or gone for something and it ends up with a Play five layup center field with Pierre Kura. Yeah, your halfback in a grand final can't do that. And that's the last time they got down there as well. Yeah, that's it. That was the period where they really needed him to come up with the right play and so, kick to build pressure or kick to get a repeat set, and they and failed. The thing about like you said, that was a seventy meter set. So other than that, they were just trapped. Yeah, well, that was on the back of a really good run from Reese Walsh. Yeah, who so, sparked him and got him some field position, and then to finish a set like that was just horrendous. Yeah. Then Cogger, again, his involvement at the back end. Like I'm sure those two boys, especially Lou, I really appreciate him today. He yeah. gets short side and gets clearer one-on-one. Reynolds bootlaces him just, but then straight off the back of it, jumps dummy half, steals another 10, tips back <clears throat> to 
Cleary again, and then Crichton goes short side play for. I thought the kick at the time was crazy, but him and Sunil make the play. They get Walsh for a dropout. Yeah. So in one sense, we're sitting here going, you know, Reynolds has to come up with a moment, and then Penrith flip it on the head again. And Crichton's in moments in the second. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Second half, whether it be the two dropouts he forced, the try he scored, like, man, dude's just grand final clutch. Yeah. Absolutely grand final clutch, but... Um, yeah, that, that one turns out to be just another huge play when they get him in. The Broncos then challenge that dropout from Reynolds, which was a perler, that line drive. Yeah. But Cleary, <laughs> inch perfect. That was very close. Good challenge, I thought. Yeah. So, like, if you're going to use it, Penrith's challenge for the Cogger Strip was shit. I don't know if that was just to get a breather or not early in the game, but mm. it seemed like a waste at the time. But that Reynolds one, when you watch that live, like, that's, that's about as close as you're going to get. Mm. So, big moment for Penrith. This gives them an opportunity right in front of the sticks, um, and they just they're holding on. Stags jams in. Penrith lose twenty meters. Cobo grabs Critter's kick, which if he doesn't come up with that slips catch, Taruva's clean in the corner. Yeah, that was another moment where you're sitting there going, they're, they're kick. Sorry, cleaning up of the kicks all night. Even though they were poor, there was five or six like really fifty fifty ones midfield with back row centers or loose balls. It could have been anything. Could have been. Um, but, yeah, they did a really good job on that. But the clean-up work there. Stags, that's the crusher moment again where I am thought, here's another test for G, but he stuck solid again. And the bunker as well. Yeah. Didn't buy into it. They didn't give anything all night. Reynolds goes early. You're talking about those play fours. He goes for a 40-20, but it pulls up short and he hits Tyo on the four. So Tyo gets that on the 30, rips it back up to the 40. He drops Catewell. He's another one. What we talked about, the HIAs during the night. There was multiple. Lindsay, I thought, should add one. Pat should add one. Yeah. Um, yeah, on both sides that is, but that's another kick where you're sitting there going, that's a critical moment. Yo, back on the field at this point, deep in the line, hits Cleary. Garner, who's another one off the bench, laid along with Cogger, who was really good. Yeah. Got things rolling. Um, had to go up to the centers at one point there when they took Tago because he was just gassed. He cuts back in and they're just in control. And Cleary, unfortunately, again, just wasn't his night. Awful kick. Um, it misses Cogger. Somehow the Broncos don't come up with. Cogger gives it back to Crichton. He comes out with another dropout. Like, it was just another one where I sat there and thought, bloody hell, the kicking game's been awful, but Crichton's just got gold. Yeah. Gold in his hands, gold in his feet. Second dropout, and that moment there, you're just sort of waiting for it. Like, all the pressure. Like, are they going to get him? Are they going to get him? All the Broncos supporters around us were just rattled at this point. Exactly. There was absolute silence. That 20-minute period where they were carving up, there was... TikToks and selfies and some real carry-on going on, but things got awfully quiet. And unfortunately from there, this is where it all sort of goes wrong because you reflect back on that huge moment from Crito with the intercept, the two dropouts, and then the try, and then four minutes left. Martin gets another heat-seeking missile from Reynolds. Most back row will spill that. Yeah. He takes a belter of a catch, slams it back in. The first six again of the game comes in the 76th minute. Fish just kept throwing himself. 
Uh, I thought Kenny didn't have the greatest night. Like the set was pretty shit house. It was a crash play for Fish, crash play for Sorensen, and then of all the ways for it to go when you're looking at a poor set, the short side play for for Nathan and the try when you now watch it on replay speaks to exactly what you said. If that's your goal line defense in the championship minutes, you know, you're not going to win the grand final. Yeah, you're in a bit of trouble. Yeah. So it was man on. There was nothing really doing. Yeah. Um, Reynolds comes up and then the inside sort of doesn't fill in. So he left foots Reynolds. He left foots Walters. Ricky was sort of late there. And then the negative side of the ruck is Walsh who doesn't fill in either. Mm. So he cuts back across three to get that space. And it literally came off a slow play the ball, which is even crazier. Yeah. Huge by Nathan, not taking any away from that. But that that's that goes back to what we said pre-game. One error, all that control and territory by that 10-minute period where they got sort of really blown off the park. And when they got back on top, they just laid on top of them like a UFC cage fighter, hammering down groundwork. They did not let Brisbane up after they got back on top. Exactly. They just pummeled the absolute shit out of them. But for Cleary, like, in that moment, and that sort of 20 minutes where he basically went into the Tyson zone with all his touches, his runs, his kicks. <coughs> Apologies. Yeah, and it was probably more disappointing, I guess, for them that the involvements on the night are the guys that really got him there. Like Reynolds on the big night, your kicks, your touches, your moments, Walsh, seven tackle sets, multiple errors. Like it was sort of the, the, the few key pieces they really needed to deliver with the opportunities they had. Yeah. Um, and then also in that moment as well to sort of see them being involved with the miss. But, yeah, like you said, you've got to tie it on your line. And in the championship minutes, that slight movement is enough to open things up. And Ricky, up until that point, I thought bodyguarded and did really, really well. But he's unfortunately involved in that play as much as Walters and Reynolds are to start off. But 77th minute, kick for goal. No surprise right in front. You know he's going to knock that one over. Nathan just... Well, the running, the passing, everything to that point, the 40-20, Luai off, Yo, Sorensen and the HIA, you just would have not thought that that was going to happen. But credit to Cogger, the way he came on and, and contributed. And then with that two minutes there, they've got left off. They're probably going to get one set. The short kickoff, I rewatched that today. I thought that contest was a bit of a 50-50 between Walters and Dylan Edwards. But you also picked out exactly what I thought. What about the kickoff setup? Like, why is Billy Walters the one contesting that The two ball? shortest players on the field contested the most important short dropout of Brisbane's season. They didn't modify their edge, though. Billy no. Walters and who was the other one? It was Dill. No. And then ended up with Tyler. No, the player that was closest, it might have been Adam Reynolds. It was just their left edge. It was Mam. Oh, sorry. It was Ezra Mam. So he left yeah. his edge as is. Like. So he had Ezra Mam and Billy Walters, the two players closest to the contest, who were two... Guys who are not jumpers. You thought you would have stacked Cobbo, Ricky, Herbie. Whoever's your tallest player mm. and your best jumper, both wingers need to be over there. Yeah. And then you need to work out again, where are we putting the kick? Who's contesting? Are you catching or are you knocking back? Mm. Then you need to get players behind in case Dylan Edwards knocks back. You need to get players um, tucked in behind on your edge as well. For your own bat back, it just yeah, it didn't make much sense. Reynolds did what they wanted. He dropped in the dead zone. Yeah. He got the man flat, and they were all coming forward. Correct. But the guys that are chasing, like we said, <laughs> Herbie is the only tall body because they just left their left edge as is. Correct. Like, if you flip Riki, Cobbo, Herbie, you're talking 6'4", six, 6'6", six, six, and, you know, probably 6'4". Like, you, you got your biggest bodies over there. Yeah. Your, your best athletes, essentially. Correct. So, that was a bit of a 50-50. I watched it a few times and thought, is it a knock-on, is it not? But again... I go back to the same point. When you give up the biggest lead in grand final history, 
and don't kick well and don't control early on the, the 11 errors across the game to one and all the things that could have gone right, it pretty much speaks to that, you know, it, it really was a missed opportunity Yeah, for Brisbane. A huge missed opportunity, but you can't take anything away from Penrith. They close out that set. Brisbane have got one more chance off the back of dropping into the corner on top of Arthur's play one's a one out. Second one, Pat looked for a shift but gets caught one out. And then Walsh digs in the line. They've got two plays left and they cross the 50. He didn't need to throw the offload, but it pretty much summed up his night. He threw it straight to Sorensen. Yeah. So it's not to say they could have got something off the back, but I thought once they crossed the 50 on play three, one more play, you give Reynolds a crack at the two-point field goal. Yeah. But he just chucked it. So. Yeah. You look at their markers, Flagler, what, like no one got aggressive or tried to rip the ball out. They basically conceded in that moment exactly what I'm saying. They knew that's one that got, got away. Yeah. And to the victor, go the spoils because I say it again. Like of all the three years and what Penrith's been through and different pathways and journeys and all the losses, the question this year or that is no one's put them under pressure. No one's had scoreboard pressure. The only game all this year within that run was the Melbourne game for thirty minutes and they blew them off the path. Yeah. But Brisbane's the up and coming team. They've probably got the better individuals. They've got you know less of that turnover. They're red hot, high octane attack. Their defense has never seen anything like it. And bar that sort of 10, 15 minute period. They did what they did to everybody else. I know the scoreboard shows that closeness, but Penrith controlled the majority of this game. Yeah. And it's that composure and control in that hole they fell into where if you would have told me they were going to be without Sorensen, Yo, giving minutes, extra minutes to some of the guys they hadn't been in the hole they were, that they were going to come back and score 18 unanswered points and choke them out at the back end, I would have told you you're crazy. Yeah. And I even said it to you when it basically hit 18 that I thought it was over. You had faith. I'll give you a wrap. Because yeah. I, I certainly sat there with everything that went wrong and looked at who was sitting on the bench and thought, man, if you're pulling your starting half and you're missing two of your starting forwards with what's out there right now, I, I thought they were done. Yeah, see, I, I didn't. And that just, yeah. And I, I probably come to the back of this again. Cleary's 20 minutes was awesome, but up to that point, if Penrith were to win it any other way, Dylan Edwards was right up there. He was awesome. Yep. They're two their wingers as well. But their two props and Dylan Edwards, I thought, were absolutely outstanding. They were. Crichton's moments, the quality moments in that game, obviously good as well. But yeah, bar, bar Cleary's like 20-minute just explosion to steal that grand final. That's what got him the Clive. Yeah. Up until the 60th minute, his involvements in the game were... His kicking game was awful. Hmm. He had a pretty poor night. And again, I, I guarantee today that Luai and Cleary, Ivan, everybody's loving up on Jack Cogger. If you're a Panther fan, I'll tell you what, if you're around the celebrations or you see that bloke, or you've got him on social media, whatever you're doing, love that man up. Absolutely. His impact on the game was huge. And to have that sort of quality on the bench, it's almost been rehab for halves the last few years because of the quality of players they've got in their team and the environment they've got. But for O'Sullivan, for him, and even for a Brad Schneider coming next year, it's a great place to be if you're a half. But also goes back to what we said about clubs quitting on halves too early. He's one of those poor pricks who landed in a situation which is none of his fault. Newcastle doing the three wooden spoon rebuild, signed by the Dogs during their wooden spoon era, shipped off to England, same age as Nathan, had all the junior app accolades, but was just in the wrong situation. And people quit on him, that you bring him back in there, you get his confidence back, and you saw that quality at the back end. And you know what? If you're Newcastle right now at the time, I didn't understand it, but like Gamble being a bit older and potential to play a different position, Hastings is a solid seven, but I think Cogo's going to take one of the halves jerseys next year at Newcastle and go straight back to what he what he should have probably been doing earlier on in his career if they had quality there. Yeah. But Penrith, yeah, like, what do you say? And, and for Ivan and for Nathan, for anyone, 
oh, he hasn't dominated Origin, he hasn't done this. He's 25. He's well on track to break, I think, the point-scoring all-time record if he keeps playing to the standard hours. He's won three grand finals in a row. He's won more grand finals than a lot of the guys that are considered immortals or the best players in the game. He's been dominant in two of the grand finals in periods. You can say it's 20 minutes or not, but it was in a grand final. Mm. What do you want him to do? He took control of that game. That's right. And he took yeah. the, he <clears> took that away from Brisbane. So two Clive Churchills, he's in very rarefied air in that regard. Billy Slater and Bradley Clyde. And if you really want to go back to the old school, um, you know, I think Brett Kenny won two and Graham Eady. The only three-time winner, I don't know how long it's been called, the Clive Four, if it's all of history, Proven, Norm Proven won three. Yeah. So he's 25. And all the talk about origin, you can shit on him all you want. He's still won three series already. He's won a World Cup. He's represented his country. The only thing he doesn't have in his cabinet now is a Dalian. Basically, yeah. And to be fair, last year, Edwards is amazing, but that was open for him, Laota, multiple guys to win that medal. Correct. Edwards is try-saver and his meters and that. If, if it's not such a dominant game, he might have three clives. So I don't know what else people want to see from Nathan Cleary. And you can't say he's Small. he had quality all around him. They've taken quality off him. Have, year on yeah. year. And I know, oh, well, Crichton had moments and this person, he was bad at that point. Again, but he still, he got it done when it mattered. Yeah. Not every game of football is perfect. You can't play 80 minutes perfect every week. But the quality in that 20 minutes and the moments between the 40-20, the setup try, just, yeah, some of the runs off the back of Koga and then to score that last one, he never, ever took himself out of that game. No. And right. he said as much in the press comments that from the Melbourne game where I was rattled, and what I've learned over the last few years, like I just thought, just hang in there and we can turn this around. Mm. And with a little help from that core group that's been there the whole time as people have been stripped out, they got it done. But yeah, if we're, if we're summing things up, yeah, I think he, he's last 21 in the medal, but Edwards was quality. Um, the two props again, you wonder why they signed him. They're the cornerstones of that team, Fish and Loader. They turn up big for the final series. They don't need to do it during the year all the time. They get them through, but their final series was massive. Crichton's quality and what he's turned in over this period of time from where he started, I think he, he, there's there's some big pieces that have been missing, but to think he's at where he's at now after debuting in that tough year as a skinny 18-year-old, guy that can play fullback, centre, wing, 5'8", quality goal kicker in his own right, but I think the person the leader he's developed into, like he's a big game player. Yeah. So that that's I think this is going to be one of the biggest losses they've had in terms of player. But... You know, when you him, the opportunity, salary cap wise, he's already won three comps. Like, who, who, who's to condemn him for doing what he's done? It's fair. Yeah, but, it's fair. You know, Spencer moves on as well. I know his his minutes are limited, but the impact again, it's another bench player. And then you look at the names that we already mentioned that they've lost over the time. Kickout, Arpy, Burton, like even Hopgood, Sullivan, guys they don't use much. Mansour, Tarmau, Tedavano, Catewell. Like, man, to do that in a four year space is crazy. It is. And the other one for me, I like, can talk about Nathan and the shits that he cops. Ivan has got no credit at all over the past four years. None. Or maybe not from the the mainstream or a lot of the mainstream. They love kicking him about what happened to the Tigers and giving credit to all his assistants. And I know that Webster hit this year, but what are you going to say now? He's just won his third comp in a row, fourth grand final, and all his, all his staff went, all his players are gone. What, what's your excuse now? You don't have one. Yeah. So all you can do is, is heap praise on them. I don't know what else you, what else you can do. 
You can find any hole you want, but you've got to deal with the facts. You don't have to like them. You don't have to like some of their players, but you've got to respect the winning. And the four-year record doesn't lie. They've played 105 games in total, and they're at a win rate of 84%. Ivan deserves a huge amount of credit. 100%. Not only for his second stint, like his second stint's been gold-plated, but more so his first stint. Well, he, he doesn't get enough of credit. Like I said, the setup is not just Gus. Everyone keeps it. was Gus, it was Gus. Matt Cameron, Ivan Cleary deserve as much credit for what was founded in Penrith. Matt Cameron was there before both of them. Mm-hmm. So. And he's still there. Still there. He's a CEO. He's a man who I've got immense respect for and who's a... A great role model of mine and um great mentor of mine in coaching and just rugby league in general. And, you know, he's a good human. He works extremely hard. He's got clear ideas. Very logic, like very logical. And knows how to develop players and knows how to put systems in place to develop players. Mm. I think the biggest thing that Phil Gould did, like Phil Gould did some unbelievable things at Penrith and a lot of them from a rugby league perspective. But... Phil Gould saved Penrith commercially, yeah. financially. So there is no Panthers, particularly yeah. in the final financial position they're in now, well, without what Gus did. And He was smart. He used his connections and mate, they're he, forever and They are now thriving yeah. from and, being and on the point some. of bankrupt, bankruptcy. So you know that gave them the, the capacity to go and do the centre of excellence and you know just set up... To, because to set up pathways and develop players, it costs money, mm. a lot of money. You need coaches, you need gear, you need, um, you know, all the things that go in and around that. Mm. Strapping, staff. But even jumping into that country corridor and taking advantage of that was untapped. But again, it takes time, it takes money, it takes... I don't think people understand how much development Penrith has done for the game of rugby league across the last 12 years, 13 years. Mm. The game owes a lot to Penrith. Like, first grade is just the tip of the iceberg in regards to what's happening out here at the moment. Well, you only need to... This is the point I'm going to make when we get on further here, but you look at the drain of players the last few years, but also that effect is also on a level you don't see if you're not a hardcore. Like their 18s, 20 sort of best players are all signing to go elsewhere right now. They're not yeah. even talking to Penrith because with that core group they've got locked in those positions, there's no point to beat Penrith. So your Riley Pollards, your Liam Isons, anyone that's been an Australian schoolboy, New South Wales rep... SG yeah. Ball, Players of the Year, Flag Players of the Year, they're all going elsewhere. And that's that's the reality. Because they, because they think that if they go somewhere else, they'll become NRL players. Mm. The, the key there is, is about, and the most difficult thing in coaching is to develop a young player into a first grader. That's, mm. that's not easy. No. Because that takes years and years of hard work, video, toil, coaching, and those players need experience. Yeah. Um... But Whereas, yeah. you know, a lot of our struggling clubs, those players get thrown into first grade too quickly, chewed up, spat out, they get labelled as, you know, well, he's played first grade and did no good. But what sort of platform have you built before you put him there? And a lot of clubs, and I'm not blaming the other clubs for, you know, having to rush players in because they don't have the developmental capacity or the, the depth that Penrith have got. But they also need to understand, you know, you look at now, like Alamotti will go to Penrith, mm. Schneider will go to Penrith. Um, you know, they they do that with two or three players every year. You know, yeah. they've, they've done it to Cogger this year. He'll go and springboard into something else. Yeah. And like we said for Alamotti, what an opportunity. Like, you're a guy that missed two years. Mate, there's a centre spot there open if you want it. Because of COVID. 
you're one of the best touted juniors, but you're at one of the worst clubs in a bad situation at this point in time. And it's probably not conducive, like you said, for him right now. And they've lost patience and they've moved him on. But going to Penrith, he's not going to get a better opportunity yeah. to turn into the best version of himself. Yeah, well, so. and Penrith, in a way, are becoming the new Melbourne in that regard. Melbourne mm. is still doing it. Yeah, but the Penrith, Penrith are also Penrith getting that with the winning. Like, you get a guy every now Correct. and then. But especially that just goes, well, I'm going to go there. And especially a half. They're going, well, if I'm going to be a backup somewhere and know I'm going to play to an origin and get a Which couple of games, I'd rather do it there. Is the opposite effect of the salary cap, mm. right? So you're going to get the top end that's going to squeeze out because they can't get the money. But you're going to get those guys who are, you know, middle-level guys who probably haven't reached their potential or for whatever reason have been bumped out of clubs because they're on too much money mm. for what that club wants to spend on what they're delivering. They then go, well, you know what? I'll go to Penrith or, I'll, you know, and I'll go and learn how to win or be a part of a winning team and it will springboard me into what's next. I don't think they're long-term. No. But, players. you know, some of them might become long-term Around, players, around your core, though, like Melbourne, Penrith doing the not, same thing. It's just dollar-dazzler, here you come. It's yeah. quality. I know you can play first grade. Plug in, plug out. Yeah. Same principle. a massive advantage for the Panthers. Core group and build around it every year. You know, and is Alamotti going to be Steve Crichton? No. No, definitely so, not. But like this year, we've seen they've leaned more and more in their defence along the way or different parts of their game to counter that. Or their back five exactly. has continued to pick up the more slack and it's got better. Like, there's just been certain parts of their game where they're like, all but, right. You know, it was Dean Farrow before that, when before Stephen Crichton came in. And, mm. You know, Josh Mansour and all these guys that bumped out and someone else filled the void. Yeah, well, Burton comes into one of those Burton, spots and Crichton yeah. pushed to a wing and then Crichton pushes back in and Taylor's rookie of the year last year. Then he gets injured. And then Sunni comes in this year and he's rookie oh. of the year like, May I be back next year? And like we said, with what they lose in a weapon and say like a kick out and their left edges and is dominant, and then they go, all right, well, back to more playing off our middles and our back five, and then we'll just really lean into our D and let Nathan, like they've just, they know what they're good at. They don't, they haven't tried to replace or overcompensate. They've adjusted as they've gone and they've evolved and they lean into what works. But the number one thing you can't take away and same thing that we said last night, all the little things and everyone just doing their job like was said the week before when their spine probably didn't play their best game in the prelim but the other 13 players every week or 12 or 13 players that aren't exactly their superstars or their main men when they're all playing at 7 and 8 out of 10 every week it helps yeah 100% but I still think the biggest thing that stood out to me this year and it, no one stopped their back five and in particular their back three yeah. nobody and if that platform's laid for you week in week out you're in every single game every single game and until somebody steps up and meets that challenges or they, you know, hit a development hole there where they lose one or they don't replace it with quite the equivalent, which hasn't been the case yet. I think while they've got that base, their defense and him as their halfback and those two props, which are the guys they've sort of leaned into, they're going to, like you said, a bit like Melbourne. You fill the space around it and you produce juniors here and there and get the benefit for a year or two cap-wise. They're just going to be a perennial top eight, top four. And then every so often... With this strip back, which would be interesting to see this year after the four years, they might have a year like Melbourne where you look at them and go, are oh, they fourth or fifth and they're not going to make a grand final. But it won't take long to retool if they keep producing. It won't. There'll be like a 12, 18-month window and then you'll be sitting there again going, oh, fuck, they've got another guy. Or, oh, they've got someone who wants to go there because of what they're doing and play with Nathan and play with Dylan Edwards or play with those two front rollers. Like, you're going to get those along the way. And exactly. that's, that's what winning does. Winning creates this environment. Guys will go and they'll take money, but there'll also be other guys out there like Garner this year. But you may not rate him as a piece, and he was injured at the start of the year, he contributed at the back end, but he almost halved his contract to go to Penrith. And it doesn't seem like much to someone on the outside to go, oh, look, Garner's not much of a player. But when you're building a top 30 and he's it's highly a, competitive, a that's a very good player to pick up on an average salary. Yeah. 
at the back end of your squad and be like, you know, he's just coming here because he wants to win. And look what happened in the end. Right. Wasn't his greatest year health-wise and didn't start the greatest, but in the end, he jagged the grand final jersey and he's got a ring. Right. Peachy come back. Why do you think he come back? Winning, happiness, success. And, you know, he, he flashed some moments in his age at the back end. The games that ended him. So, yeah, before we do the season reviews, yeah, Brisbane, uh, I think you got to pay credit for that season. Um, but, yeah, just when it came down to it on the night, I think their three middles were excellent. I thought Carrigan, Haas, and Flegler all had really good games. Yeah. I thought, you know, Herbie had a couple errors, but <coughs> defensively was brilliant and no surprise. Million carries. Arthur's was challenged. He's the one they targeted. He was brilliant. Um, Walters first in epic and ma'am. The Clive Churchill was on his neck after that hat-trick, but probably the disappointing thing for them is a lot of what good that's happened this year started with Reynolds. Steering, controlling, and his kicking game on the night wasn't great, and Walsh. And that's the rocks and diamonds sometimes you get with Walsh for all. Yeah, you're always going to get that risk. Walsh. You get that reward, and there was a few moments of brilliance, but unfortunately in the night, there was three errors, two seven-tackle sets, and um, he couldn't really impact the game. Yeah. The two moments where he did impact the game were obviously huge. He broke that cycle for him where Reynolds couldn't capitalise with the kick and the play on Nath, which was just pure class. But yeah, the few other times he looked threatening, they either got shut down or he came up with an error. Yeah. So they were the two pieces that really made things go. But yeah, man, man was really the one that delivered in those middles and everyone else sort of held their gloves up. But um, they're seven and they're one on the night. Hmm. Probably one of the biggest differences in this game. Correct. <clears throat> but for them... The cycle starts. Herbie goes, Flegler goes, Palacio goes. They probably backfill uh, Mariner, who they've got big hopes for on the OB spot. Um, between, you know, Hetherington, Xavier Willison, Tapa'u. Uh, they've got Ben Takura, a young kid they're keen on. They're probably the few that'll be competing for those other few spots. Yeah. Looks like they've got nine sorted now with Walters. But decisions obviously to be made next year as well as uh, pressure comes on the salary cap and guys start coming for their players. Yeah. So that window, like we said, it's open. But decisions from here on out are massively important in terms of who they sign. So <clears throat> with that, let's jump in and review the season of these two teams. And Brisbane, they're the one we'll start with. Second during the regular season, runner-up here. Uh, second in attack, second in defense. They used 29 players. They had the best away record in the league, 11-1. and one. Yeah. That's massive. Uh, Over-under was 13.5. We went under. Both thought they'd maybe... Like, from the noise that was coming at the start of the season, you're hearing guys are leaving... Flegler signed, Herbie signed, Cobbo spoke out. Like Before a ball was even kicked, you just thought, oh, no, yeah. off the back of what happened last year. But full credit to Kev and the broadcast. Because yeah. I thought from all that, this is going to get shaky again, or they might just skimp in with the talent. But, mate, the growth um, in this team across the board, you know, the fact they got Walsh back after letting him go under the circumstances they did, I must say I still think it's a bit lucky, but... At the end of the day, you would take that luck because watching him over at the Warriors after they said, yeah, you can leave, I'm sure they would have been sitting there with their head in their hands. But to get him back this year after the Warriors basically told the Dolphins, uh, told him you're not allowed to go to the Dolphins because of, you know, the O'Sullivan and Wayne situation, which panned out. What a gift for the Broncos he turned out to be. He was huge. Massive. The link between him and Reynolds, that just unlocked the attack for them. It unlocked Mam even further. Pat Carrigan stepped up to another level. He was close to, if not the best lock in the comp. Haas, you didn't think he could get any better, but then you forget he's only like 23 years old. Um, Flegler, his best season, and then just all around it. Like you saw glimpses of Pia Kura, 
Palacia, like like Kobe Hetherington's quality. They're two centers. Like Herbie Farmworth, I thought he was the close to, if not their best center in the comp as well. Mam at six. The nine position evolved across the year that was open at the start of the year for Pakes, <laughs> Walters, Smoothie, but they nailed that. And then the evolution that we talked about for their team along the way. The bench went from Jensen and a few of those guys to Pia Kura, Hetherington, uh, Smoothie. It was a nice compliment to the Walters piece. Uh, you know, Riki really tightened up his D. That was the, the, the big question mark on him as a young, talented player coming into grade. And, you know, there was questions early as well after they had a good start in their 8-2. They lost to South, lost to Panthers, lost to the Storm, and the question was they couldn't beat the big teams. But they did. Yeah, they, they, they got through Origin. They learned from that. Um, they streaked at the back end of the year. They knocked off those teams. They were dominant week one against the Storm. Week two, there were some holes defensively, which we ended up seeing, but they were dominant in the end over the Broncos. And I dare say if you take out the amount of first-half errors and then just not been able to arrest that second-half period there, like they, they would really feel that they lost this grand final. Yeah, they had one hand and four fingers on the trophy. They'll just about wrap their little pinky around it and pick it up. And from that Crichton moment onwards, Penrith from there just strangled and never let go. Yeah. Um, they just couldn't steal it back. But so many positives for them moving to next year. Those losses, like we said, are huge, but possibly backfield with quality. I think Mariner looks like a hell of a player. I'm not saying he's Herbie, but they're saying that Cobo wants to play centre or if Mariner plays either either. Um, you know, it's a backfield there. The edge spot. Um, I'm sorry, that middle spot where they go to from there, like Pierre Cruz, Moran Edge, Willison's a middle type of where they start the kid or where they push like a Cobian and play like a small middle, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but they've got a few spots open. Ben Takura, they've got big wraps on him under 19's prop with his rolling to make that jump up yet, I don't know. Um, but their window's open right now. The big question for them moving forward with those few moving out and then the guys they've re-signed off the back of that growth is getting the deals done for Ezra Mammon and Reese Walsh. And yeah, this is the question I had. Priority number one. The yeah. other week. Like, <clears throat> Mam again, after what he did the other night, he's just got even more valuable. Yeah. Hattrick in a grand final. He's on about 250, 300K. He'll get a million dollars on the market if he hits the open market with the cap where it's at now. That's craziness, isn't it? Well, you look before and you would have thought, oh, yeah, good player, but you look what he's delivered and winning five, eight the year and then what he did in a grand final, the cap's 12 million. A good half before cost you seven, 800, the best was a million. That ceiling's lifted with a thirty percent increase. Yeah. He's a million dollar player now. Exactly. So Brisbane was saying the other week, yeah, we think we're confident seven eight hundred. I don't think so. <laughs> not with the way the market working, not with the shortage of halves, and not with the expansion of this comp. If they think they're going to get away with a three hundred thousand dollar haircut, I think they've got another thing coming. Mm. You're gonna to have to. You can get a haircut, but not that much. And Walsh is in the same field. They were talking that his deal, and they're talking a package for both of them about two point four, two point five, three years. Walsh open market, if Pong is on 1.4, Tommy's on 1.1 before the cap and all that went up. Like Walsh, these kids are 20 and 21. Mm. That's, yeah, you got to lock them down. And Man, like if, if Brisbane win, Man wins at Clive Churchill. Yeah, and Walsh's year and what he did in Origin and where he's trajectory, that, Cle- those two. You know, if Cleary doesn't have, like if Penrith more balanced in their comeback, he probably still could have won it. Mm. We spoke about that. One hundred percent against that. If Cleary doesn't, he was one in a close game. We go like, mate. If they, if Cleary doesn't have that seventeen minutes, say, you know, it was a balance between a few players that had made plays. Mm. 
Man probably still wins it in a losing side. Mm. Or if not, I think Edwards might have won it for his 80 because you look at Mam and say that yeah, 20, but, but could, the judges could still easily, would have gone. Like if, it, you know? if you take Cleary out, who's second best on ground? Yeah. I'd, I'd probably say Mam and Edwards, probably yeah. side by side, really... and I'd probably lean Edwards because they won. Yeah, and that's what we talked about the other day, yeah. about the winning side. If there's someone who's right there... You... But a lot of the time, they the judges have voted prior to the finish of the game yeah. anyway. Yeah, and that's the thing. So, But for them, and this is why I said it's no knock on Reynolds, but... To be pushing for extra years on your deal, which was the hesitation down here, um, like to want another year or two in the situation they're in, he's got a year to run. What's the rush? If you're happy, no, there. I'd want to see him next year. No, he's already there next year. But my point that, is, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'd want to see him next for them, year. For them, that's why I don't understand. Yeah. Like my my priority so, is these two. Yeah, that's the first two deals. I, I get think done. next year is the end of the Reynolds era. And so, provided what? they've got someone to jump to, uh, if not, I'd happily give him an extra year. But I, I certainly wouldn't be going two, two years or three more now. Yeah, no, like two, on, two top. on top of next year. No, that's two, what they're talking. Two. I was like, mate, your priorities are all wrong because no. similar to Penrith. Look, I think if next year he's playing the same way he did this year, I'd happily extend him for mm. a year because you got Pat and Hass locked in. Mariner is locked in, but if you're talking about building a call like Penrith, anyway, you know, Penrith did this as Walsh well. Like Penrith had. A salad. Penrith had a Maloney. Penrith had an experience half to pair up with the young half. Mm, and they moved them on for their kids. And then eventually, yeah, someone superseded it, came in. That gives you cap relief because it means you move on the big fish that you've had to get to sort of propel you up the ladder and develop those kids. So the question for Brisbane is, who is that player? Mm. That's the question. Well, their question is, they got Jock on an absolute song. So who's you can say, I know that, but it's not him. No, I know that, but I'm saying for it's them. It's not him. Is it Jock or do we go to the market or have we got a kid? Well, it's either going to be a kid or they're going to go to the market. Mm. So then you'd have to look at your market next year and see what's open. But mm. if you're building a core, Penrith well, is... Was it next year the year? Isn't everyone saying most players are off next well, year? Well, Penrith got both their props, their 13, 7, 1, winger, centre, and a back row. That was the core of it now that's left over. Yeah. So if you're looking at Brisbane, you've already matched that in the sense of you've got Pat and you've got Haas, so you've got your two core middles. Yep. You need to get Mam and Walsh. That's a one and a half. You've got Mariner, who they've obviously long. So when are they off next? Year, well, this year. is what I say. Next year it gets tricky for them because um, twenty four things open up a fair bit in terms of who's off. Um, so where's my list that I have here? Off next year, Reynolds is off. Walters is off, who I'm sure they want to keep. Yeah. Uh, Pierre Kura is off, and I think you need to swap in for Catewell with the way Catewell's trajectory. He's probably on the way down. Yeah. Riki's off as well. Yep. Mam's off. Um, and then, yeah, you've got Walsh, who's already talking to him because they don't want to let him get to the market. He's 25, but he's well under. I'd be shocked if Mam and Walsh are not done by November 1. Well, that's just about to say. If I'm anyone, Walsh is twenty twenty five, but yeah. they're not going to be able to let him sit for another so year. So essentially, no other club can talk to him no one can officially talk to Walsh. until November 1. Well, no one can talk to Walsh for another year, but they're going to want to move on that. Right, so what's Walsh got another... Two years to run. Their sort of thing with the caveat there was when they blocked the thing about this when they blocked out the when they blocked out the dolphins. The dolphins' offer was eight hundred thousand, but they basically said you're not going to the dolphins because yeah. they had beef. So Brisbane said we can only offer you what we've got, which was four hundred. So it's not that's bad money, but what he's turned into four hundred is not going to be enough to sit him for another year and wait again. Yeah. They're going to have to come to the table and upgrade. Yeah, I, I don't. So, I'd happily do that. Mm. They might find more money there. Provided you got the, there's two yeah, names I'm looking at. you got the money there to do that. There's two names there that I'm looking at. So Oates still hasn't taken his player options, and I think they're at a bit of a standstill here. 
I'd be moving him on. Well, the ball's in his court, though. It's a player option. But I think he's I looking, going, am I going to play? Yeah. And if not, they've said that Newcastle were sort of interested. I'd be saying to him, you're not going to play. I think the Knights, money-wise as well, looking at that, going, well, we don't really want to pay you what you're on. Huge money. Mm-hmm. So they've got a bit of a Mexican standoff there. And then Pace, well, it's not. It's Brisbane's problem because he's on contract to Brisbane. Yeah, well, they gave him two-year options. Yeah, so he can so. take both options if he really wants to. Yeah. So that's on Brisbane. Or they have to do what a lot of clubs do, whether people like to hear it or not, and come up with a little bit of a payout to encourage him to move on somewhere else. Uh, yeah. Which, whether people like it or not, that happens. But the other one's Pakes. He wouldn't be on huge money, but there's a little bit of money there. And when you're looking for any sort of relief, they've got Moser, they've got Smoothie, who's going to come out of development surely into their top 30, and they iced him out, basically. Mm-hmm. So you'd think if they're your three nines and you've got the kid as the third option right now, Pakes is a natural one that you're looking at mm-hmm. in that group to try and move on. For any sort of cap relief. Yeah. Um, Tapu who's off next year. You think that would be the end of him. Deloy's Hoyta is like sort of a fringy. Um, they're the sort of guys that you <coughs> you just roll in, roll out. And the guys that are off now that haven't been re-signed as of yet were Pereira, Logan Bayless, who hasn't played any games. No one have made you know. So they'll lean on your Willisons, your Mariners, and Ben Takura, that sort of guy to push in. They've got another OB coming through. Israel Leota who's another Queensland 19 sort of kid. Yeah. So I think now for them... Like we talked about, it's all that backfeed. And then like Penrith, getting quality guys to fill in those other spots. Look at the quality they got as Sailor this year. Jock won games when he was asked to play for him and looked good in a good team, rather than what you saw at the Tigers, which again, is the difference between playing in a quality side. Um, yeah, but I, and I also think Kate will next year, but it's yeah, it's really down to decisions. The only player they've signed for now is Fletcher Baker from the Roosters. Yeah, And that's what happens when things start to tighten up. You need your recruitment, your scouting, to be right on top of trying to find you some value. Or you need to produce within. And that's that's going to be the big question now for Brisbane. And can they improve again next year? Yeah. They really launched here, but probably difference in some ball control. Uh, sorry, deep defensive discipline at the end and a little bit of ball control, if they can tighten that up a little bit. The goal, like I'd have a goal to be the number one defensive team next year. Mm. They need to go a step further because their attack's certainly there. That also comes from maturity. 100%. Mam's 20, Welsh is 20. Young as the outside backs. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I just more... When someone gets in a window like this, you just see if they can maintain it. And Brisbane are similar to a Penrith. When their pathway's working, they're a big club. They've got third parties. They're powerful. They've got good players. They should hold on and become, again, if, if run correctly, a perennial powerhouse. Yeah. That period that happened was something I never expected to see in my lifetime. That just wasn't Brisbane. The down year for Brisbane was still, like, weak till the finals. Yeah, the... the, the... That Brisbane Broncos has changed. That's changed. Yeah, well, they've got competition now. Yeah. Dolphins have obviously moved in, got a couple of players. Titans are on the improve under the Frizzells and the way they've run things. Des has moved into town. Yeah, but also... Cowboys. Other clubs have all got a Queensland catchment. Mm. Exactly. So. Um, Melbourne's in their market. Roosters have got a everyone, link. Everyone is. Got a link. So. Everyone is. Everyone, every, every club is bringing players down from Queensland. Mm. But Big year for them. Just like every club is trying to get players from Penrith. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see how they backfill. They've got 26 on contract for now. Yeah, which is a good number. Like, if you, you got move, a little bit of wiggle room there. Yeah, if you're moving in smoothie and sail after the top next year and then maybe move out those one or two, you've got five or six spots open. That's right. So if a Takura goes in as well, four or five, looking at what they've got now, they probably need to get an OB, a middle and an edge. So the market's a bit thin, like we talked about before, but that's where you either go on a veteran or you take someone that someone else has had a failure with and try to rehab them. 
So whether they're one of those teams that goes like a Wonga bloke who's been at Penner from Paragon Brackets and goes, we can get him on the cheap, we think we can fix him. Yeah. That's the sort of market you're in right now. Or you look at a veteran forward like a Nathan Brown and go, all right, well, there's not much on the market. Can we get 20, 30 minutes out of him or can he play 10 games for us and do that job? That's the sort of market you're in now. Yeah. Feeling in your back end. Penrith, their year in summary, minor premiers, premiers, first in attack, first in defense, first in bloody everything. They used 26 players. Their away record was nine and three. Eight and a half was their over under 18. We went under. We nailed that just, but slow start. I don't think any surprise. No, well, our reason behind that was for well, the start cut. of the year. Yeah, exactly right. It wasn't no. that we didn't think they could no. win 18 games, but no, they had more it was World more Cup. just particularly on the back of the World Club Challenge and then. You know, round one, they get beat by a field goal. Yeah. Well, more representatives than anybody at the World Cup. No preseason, essentially. Rushed in for the World Club Challenge. Early on, they just won off the back of their deep and their effort. They were four and four. People forget that. They had a real rough start in terms of working out how they wanted to play. The service from nine and the way their ruck was working wasn't smooth. It wasn't flowing into their halves. They leaned on their back five and their defense, and that turned into the cornerstone of what it eventually built into. Yeah. We saw Sony get a run with Kenny and that was sort of worked out over the year. Then they basically leaned into that Kenny was going to be the solve. His service improved. The attack got better. Um, all those key players built into the year. The middles built into the year. The halves built into the year. Crichton had a slow start and you sort of question, you know, was his head in the right place? But by the back end of the year, he was up there with Herbie Farmer as the best center in the competition. Yeah. I think um, he was the best center in the competition this year. And then the backfilling again, like to think, to start the way they did, to lose the players they did. Liam Martin missed nine games injured. Cleary missed a month. The origin representation. Tago was looking like one of the best young players in the comp. You forget he missed 11 games. Late in the year, trying to rest Sorensen, Tago, Edwards, Luai, Shoulder. Like they didn't get in there without challenges and questions. But they streaked home after origin. They only lost one game during that. They won eight in a row. They won another minor premiership. Their third in four years. They were dominant week one. They were dominant week three. And then grand final day, they got asked the question that we all wanted. Could they win off the back foot when somebody throws the kitchen sink at them? Yeah, and did. Brisbane threw the kitchen sink at them, put them in a 16-zip hole, had Sorensen, Luai, Yo all off the field, and they answered and passed with flying colours. They're the best term in the NRL era. Hmm. Yeah. So the questions for them is not around what happened this year. It's about all the change again. Like They found a great way this year with Sorensen plugging into that edge and extending him. They had guys come in the bench and do jobs. Lindsay, Hosking, Eisenhuth, Peach, Salmon. They debuted McLean. Um, you know, Cogger did a job for him and a great job at that. Garner, Sunia, second rookie of the year in a row in the wing spot in his yardage. Summerton late, complete change of his staff. Gardner, Wallace, Harden, every single assistant gone, which is what we're saying. With all that change, you can't take anything away from Ivan. Yeah. You have to pay him his credit now. And three comps, what he's done here, what he did in New Zealand. I don't care what you think about his stint at the Tigers. He's now on the shelf with Robinson, Bellamy, all those sort of guys. The only person who sits above everybody for long, longevity and what he's done is Wayne Bennett, in my opinion. Yeah. Other than that, he's now on the shelf with Bellamy and Robinson and that group. Yeah. And it can't be argued. Plain and simple. And if he keeps doing what he's doing, he'll jump off that shelf on his own. Well, that, yeah, that's exactly. That's, yeah. And I heard today, oh, what about longevity? I'm like, well, he was pretty successful at the Warriors. His first stint at Penrith was successful. That was a more of an off-the-field situation that led to his downfall. I'm mm. um, in a disagreement there. The Tigers thing, I don't care what anyone really thinks, but to do what he's doing now, 
if this turns into sort of a decade-long run and he retires, well, the resume speaks for itself. Hmm. He's been to five grand finals. He's got three minors and three premierships. Not a bad record. No. Um, And, you know, like we said, the outs continue to happen. Critter joins that list next year. Len Ewan Cog is an underrated one um, for the job that he did, but Taylor's going to essentially be like a new player because he didn't even play a game. Dane Laurie, who loved the joints, coming back basically on a freebie, which is great. They get a free swing at Alamotti and Brad Schneider, who's a very handy backup again. So good cover in that spot again, the Harves Rehab Club. Alamotti's talent is unquestionable. He just needs to be coached and developed, and he's going to get that opportunity here. No doubt about it. Dane Laurie, I think, will be a really handy pickup as well. They're the sort of signings you need to make when you're in this situation. Yep. The guy that wants to be at Penrith, never wanted to leave Penrith. Knows the club. But yep. after being out and being where he is and then looking around, he's thought, like, fuck going to another bad club. I'll just go back. Give me 200K or whatever it is, just a small salary, and just let me play. And they pro- they'll probably use him in a few different spots or in a few different times, but it's invaluable to have those people that want to play for you. Correct. So, 1-13 to next year, they're essentially going to be exactly the same team, bar that hole in the centre. So, whether that's May, who's come through playing centre wing that rolls in, or whether they give Alamotti a crack. But if you do that, I don't see how that works. I think I don't think they're going to deny to River or Toto or Tago any of those spots. So, I think Alamotti, at the start of the year, probably going to have to earn his spot in that back five. Yeah. But I think Taylor might get first crack. Other than that, they're one, 12 of the 13 starting is going to be the same. The real question is, after all the depth, and we saw it this year, the gap between them winning Mats and Ball this year and then what gets stripped out of Flegg and Cup, they missed the Cup finals and they got knocked out week one of Flegg. So that gap doesn't happen in 12 months' time just because you won comps. No, it doesn't. They're trying to funnel through. And then in that is a vacuum, like we've talked about. So Liam Ison, Riley Pollard, Luke Hanson, Isaiah Katara went the year before. So halves, fullbacks, outside backs, forwards, they're all getting poached in that. So there's a vacuum in between their 16s, 18s and what's getting through now. So they still need to be smart like they were with a Garner, with a Sorensen, with an Alamotti now, with that. like That's really the battle for penalty. Because when you're winning and you're having success and all these guys look and the path block, people are just going to buy from that backyard and expect that these Australian schoolboys and all this talent are guaranteed first graders. It's not going to be the case for all of them. Mm. Some of them are only going to be that if they're at Penrith. But clubs are going to take that risk because they don't have the juniors. And when you're succeeding, everyone wants to buy your players. So the challenge is even bigger next year. That bench, um, I don't know how it looks because looking at it right now, between a lot of those guys, they've got good half cover, good outside back cover, like with McLean, Cole, Alamotti, Schneider, Dane, but like middles. Like Lindsay had a good year, but last night in like a really, really big game, he's still got a fair way to go. Yeah. But you're talking next year, it's probably him, Liam Henry, they extended to 2026. So I think he'll naturally probably get one of those spots. Hosking maybe and say like a peachy type player as a utility. But other than that, like you got Eisenhuth, who I think for them, he's steady, but I don't want him starting for me every week. Mav's not on edge anymore. You'd say he's a middle. They've upgraded him. It's been a few years now, so he needs to take a step up. Um, but yeah, they're another one who's got four spots open. And probably the biggest need there is getting some middles. Yeah. Because... One thing you know about them... They'll promote, they'll look, they'll test, they'll keep a couple of spots open. Yeah. They'll upgrade if they're happy, they'll look on the market if they're not. Yeah, so you've got... We're in a position of flexibility. You know, they only used 26 players this year, so... Yeah. The New South Wales Cup uh, were certainly capable of playing finals. You think probably the way that Penrith season went in the NRL hurt their New South Wales Cup to 
to the degree of one or two wins. Which yeah, because normally... that depth gets stripped out. Yeah, and they could have easily got into the finals and won it. So the whole thing about, you know, oh, Penrith weren't as good this year. Well, they were. They were. They just had to lean on those other grades. Affected by first grade. Jersey flag, yeah. I think they finished fifth and got beat first week by Para. Mm. Um, their priority wasn't Jersey flag. No. Nor should it be. It was cut. Um, well, no, it was NRL. Yeah, so. but that's feeding up. Yeah, correct. It drags yeah. in. Yeah. And they played a lot of SG ball age kids in Jersey flag, and they played a lot of Jersey flag age kids in New South Wales Cup. That's how it was. Aongi, Amatawani, yeah. lots of good guys. So, And that's how you develop players. Lazardi. So. Yeah, they've got um, plenty of good players there, mate. They're going to be fine, and... Onwards and upwards for the for the Panthers. I think it's and teams you can't replicate what Penrith have got because not everyone's got the nursery that they've got. But no, and I think I guess you need to find out. You know how do you make your own situation work to the best of your um, circumstances and ability. And yeah, for those clubs that have got big junior nurseries, you know that, that there's a method there to that. And for the clubs that don't, then I guess there's another method they need to find and. Alternative solution. And the other thing you can't here, just always say, well, you know, Penrith have got all the players and it's just, it is what it is. Penrith don't have an advantage because we saw they've, they've always well, had, they that. had that they've never, they've never been dominant. They haven't been dominant all the, no. throughout the history. Never consistently, no. Mm. But the thing, you know, Newcastle got a huge nursery and they've, they've struggled over the years as well. Yeah. The thing here is, same as Brisbane, North Queensland, they're all not, they've all got nice nurseries, but look at the West Tigers, probably. They've got probably the the fastest growing nursery. You know, in ten years, I think they might even overtake Penrith in terms of participation numbers and how big their nursery is going to be. If they do the right with the thing. urban growth in yeah, particularly southwestern Sydney and Campbelltown. Um, yeah, it's just how you nurture it, how you utilise it, how you set it up. Mm. But the core is there. So Tyo Dill. Cleary, Fish, Martin, Yale, those eight are all until yeah. 26, 27. And then under that, Tago to 25, Jack Cole, 2026, they've yeah. got him pegged as a half, so that might play into the Luai situation. Um, McLean. Yeah, he's f- in the Luai mould. They're, they're going to find someone that they can pair up with, clearly, yeah. Mc- if Luai leaves. Mm. Lindsay got to a 26 now, Sorensen got to 26, Sony to 25, Henry to 26, McLean, whether they seem centre winger. So they've got a core group there of young guys mixing in with their old. So they've got about 15. But next year, the two biggest decisions, because the rest are pretty much going to get rolled with their juniors, Taylor was the rookie of the year in huge form. He's off next year. Mm-hmm. So depending on how he comes back, he's super young, really good player. And Taruva, I don't think they can let him go. The Dolphins threw the kitchen sink at him, and they would have been looking going, man, it wasn't for a matter of the offer. He just wanted to be at Penrith. Yeah. But he's going to be hard to keep as well. Um, other than that, Kenny's there. I, I think Kenny, by this point, would realise he's in a good situation. I don't think Kenny's going to ask for something stupid. No. And if he does, they'll get rid of him. But other than that, Eisenhuth, Garner, Laurie, you know, Hosking, all those sort of guys are the ones that flipped in and out. Peachy. Alamotti might only be a one-year, but yeah, next year between Talon, Sunia, and like Luai. Luai is probably the big question they've got for themselves. The cap may have gone up. They may have paid this sort of core group and they've got a little bit of wiggle room but I still think there's a max price on Lua um, and for me yeah, if, has to be. if he's already on 650, 700 if, even if it's gone up 30% bag clubs may pay him a million plus to me he's no more than a seven, eight hundred thousand dollar player yeah. and if he thinks otherwise well he needs to go to a bag club mm-hmm. so that'll be his decision but 
yeah, as it has been every year, this will be the big big thing to watch with them next year is how they fill in and how they go. Yeah. Because they've done a, certainly done a good job the last few years, but when you have that kind of core group, which they build up to such a stack and then that vacuum just keeps coming and coming, next year is by far the biggest challenge they've got. But two international front rowers, the best halfback in the game, some quality outside backs and yardage set starters and a good edge and good lock is a really good start to build around. So... It's going to be very interesting to watch the Penrith Panthers. And again, congratulations to them. The 2023 premiers, three in a row. Uh, I know everyone says a lot of things they may not see again, but in a salary cap era, if we see this again in our lifetime, I'll be very surprised. We were talking only a couple of years ago over that 30-year period about how hard it was to be back-to-back. Yeah. And, you know, the Roosters finally cracked it. Then Penrith did it no short feet only a couple of years later, and then they've just gone one better. So, yeah, massive. But that pretty much gets us to the back end, mate. A huge show. No doubt about that. And I think the last bit here is bluebet.com.au. Thank you for your support all year and charity account on Green Finally. It got one last boost, Nathan Cleary, anytime try scorer. So finished up at $1,398. Good year in that regard for the charity account. So thank you to bluebet.com. .au and they've got the markets up already, which I was looking forward to seeing to see what the bookies think for next year. Penrith are $4 favourites again to win the Premiership. The Broncos only slightly behind at 4.33 and then the gap opens up significantly. The Roosters, third favourite at 8. Souths and the Warriors are 11 apiece. The Storm 12. Sharks 15. Cowboys 17. Newcastle 21 along with Manly and then Parramatta is back at 21. Titans 26, Raiders 34, Dolphins 34, Dogs 41 and then Tigers and Dragons equal favourites for the spoon at 81 apiece. There you go. So even after all this time, they probably agree with us that despite the window for Penrith, the quality's there. Brisbane's window is well and truly open. I guess the question for next year is that next group, you know, Melbourne essentially have nothing coming in. Cronulla pretty much going to look the same. The Warriors get two of us a Sheck. Souths, the way things ended, and then the Roosters, like injuries and the way that ended. I guess your real question is probably that next three. Can one of those step forward next year and challenge a bit more? But with Penrith every year, like we say, they're coming closer and closer to the field. Numbers-wise this year, sure, but in the end, they were still the best team. So, um, yeah, early doors, a lot to play out. Injuries off-season. The Pacific Championship, uh, there's no doubt there'll be some more movement before we kick off again next year, but we've only got one more show to go. We do. So next week or end of this week, our award show, we'll knock that on the head. Yep. Pick our team <clears> of the year and award those categories, and that'll be a wrap for the fifth and last for 2023. Sounds good. NFL show will still be going, but again, congratulations to any Panthers fans we've got out there. Commiserations to Broncos, but you can be super happy with what you've got there, the core of what you've got, and fingers crossed for you uh, if they take a step forward next year. No doubt there's a good reason they're right up there. I think uh, think they should be aiming for grand final again, if not being around that mark with what they've got coming back, that's for sure. Yeah. But there we go. Thank you, bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with them, make sure you do it with a true blue bookie. Thank you, Penrith Solar Center, Jake and the team there, 1800 2029 30 or and Toby and the team, Sinclair Hyundai, Penrith, corner of York Road and Bat Street, sinclairhyundai.com.au. Boxhead, thank you. 
catch you later in the week for our final show. You um, will. And there you go. Another year of the NRL wrapped up. I'd like to say enjoy your week, enjoy your rugby league, but there's nothing now until the championship, so just enjoy your week. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.